This week we welcome Dan back to the podcast to discuss solar mythology. This podcast was everything and more that I thought it would be. I really like talking to Dan. I love the way and how thoroughly he does his research. He comes with receipts and he put the... Look, mainly we focused on the story of Jesus. However, he put it in a way that I'd never heard before, running it through the Zodiac and just discussing the importance of the solar cycle not only in the Abrahamic faiths, but all faiths. It was a very interesting conversation, and uh, really, really a privilege and an honour to have Dan back on the show. Seems it's my turn to deal with the spicy cough. I'm okay, however very interesting, you know. Uh, Been on a lot of vitamins and keeping my levels up to deal with it if it happens, so it's only been a couple of days and I'll be fine, however interesting. Not enough to shut the planet down, however interesting nonetheless. It, different to anything I've experienced. You know, I'm not a doctor, however engineered seems to be the word because it was unlike anything I've ever experienced. So it, towards the end of this one, I do fade a little because I literally went to bed early, got up early to make sure I could speak to Dan. However, I'm still recovering. So appreciate your patience on that one. Don't have too much more. The episodes that are coming out at the moment are so excellent. And we've got so many EFSs in the background, the Earth's Forbidden Secrets. We've got plenty there. However, with, with interviews like this, we have to bump these ones up the list. More fascinating conversations to come as well. It's such a good time here at the podcast, and I really appreciate your support. And remember to pass the word around. Let people know if you enjoy the show. The more people that know, the more we can advance the research here. Remember, we're on Patreon, unlocking the code. If you want to swing a couple of bucks our way, that'd be great. Please give us a review on any of the apps as well. We know that does help the algorithm. The podcast is, you know, in the top percentage of a lot of podcasts these days overall. However, to get it to that next level would be really cool. And thank you very much to those that have been here from the beginning and any new listeners. Welcome. Not sure what music I'm going to go with tonight. So enjoy that, whatever it is. Please look after yourselves. The chaos continues. Stay safe, be kind, be cool, be disciplined. And we'll talk soon. Cheers.
Welcome back, everyone. It's my great pleasure to bring back on the show Dan, all the way from Colorado. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Treffin. How are you doing? Getting through it? I'm getting through it, man. I'm on. I'm on the. I'm. I'm recovering, mate. I'm recovering from the from the dreaded. We won't even mention it, mate. We're just going to move on. I think we'll. we'll just <laughs> okay. Because we've got some interesting stuff. You're going to you're going to talk to us today about solar mythology. We're basically going to unpack a lot of the uh, religious context. Is it, where are we going, mate? You 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 had to tell us better than me. So where are we going today? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So I think you know our last conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think we did a great job of kind of exposing you know the the topic of conspiracy and control in a couple of ways. You know, the first obviously is that uh, conspiracies are real and have historically happened and they weren't uh, for the betterment of society. And I think we did a good job of laying that out, looking yep. at that and trying to trying to create precedents for the fact that the government doesn't always love us and care about us. And, you know, sometimes they'll do what they have to do regardless to maintain power. Mm, and mm. we got into uh, an element of control. We looked mostly at finance and got into the banking world and economics a little bit and, and some of the, you know, some of the uh, a kind of occult and secret societies. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this is kind of a, in addition to that conversation in the sense that when we look back at control, uh, objectively, I think what we really find to be the, you know, the, the villain of it all is, is organized religion. And, uh, you know, it's a strange thing that the same organizations that have claimed to bring us a, uh, human spirituality are the same organizations that seem to be uh, uh, have the dirtiest hands when it comes to uh, uh, crimes against humanity and, and uh, in, in the kind of context of history. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think, so I think sorry, it's, no, you're right, mate. We're, me and Dan are learning to give each other a second. That's where we're just learning from our last conversation, aren't we, mate? So yeah. um, I think when we talk about, I would question whether or not these things bring us human spirituality. I think they hijacked human spirituality. I think, you know, we talk about the God self and they externalize the God self and then use that as a control mechanism, you know? And I think it's, everyone's got very short memories, obviously, you know, the religious context that's happened since, you know, nine 11 uh, with that sort of stuff. And it goes back in history, and you're right, the religions have the dirtiest hands. And, you know, God loves you, but he needs your money. You know, he's terrible with money. Mm, uh, yeah. And look, just so you're, for the record, you blew the minds of a lot of the boys down here with the with the money thing that you went through with the Knights Templar. And it was an amazing episode. Those that haven't listened, please go back and listen to Conspiracy and Control. Uh, and it is externalizing, I think, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm interested to see where you go, mate. So I'm just going to pull your string and, and let you go. So where do you want to go, mate? Take us on a journey and I'll, I'll, I'll just ask questions. And Because, I mean, I, from a personal standpoint, I spent a lot of my uh, 20s studying religion, uh, mm-hmm. looking into different religions. I've sat down and had conversations with people from multiple religions uh, who were open to have those conversations. And I think, was it omniism? I think it's called where it's like, I think there's truth to be found in them all. Um, however, I also, you know, one of the, the, the key areas of study here at the podcast is we, I see that once upon a time, there was a universal religion that was based in 
science and spirituality, for want of a better term, that was actually more in line with us, that was actually promoting the God self, that was actually promoting the inner work and all that sort of stuff and understanding that you are, you are the God. We are God. You are God. I am God. Um, whereas what these organized religions have done, I mean, is just externalize it and then use us for their own gain, really. Mm. So, yeah, and it does go back to sun worship. You know, you can see up behind me, I was showing you Ra before we turned the mic on. That's where it's sort of, you know, there's a lot of it that stems from that. But that but that Ra stems from where? From Sumeria, from, you know, how far back do we go? Yeah. And theoretically, it's all sun worship. I mean, that's why all the megalithic structures align to solstices and they align to equinoxes. That's that, you know, you're measuring the path of the sun or the moon, uh, mm-hmm. the cycles of time, you know. Most religions were or you know again i use religion spiritual practices i suppose is probably a better term not religion did honor the cycles right they they looked at the equinox they they the uh the uh the procession of the equinox that's what i was looking for uh yeah and that was what we were actually looking at to start with and then somewhere along the way it got all externalized uh Mm -hmm. and the control came back into it didn't it mate so Take it away, sir. Take it away. Take us on a journey, man. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I guess last time I was on, I didn't really talk much about myself, but, um, you know, just kind of give a little context to how this all kind of came about. I, uh, uh, I, I was looking, when I was younger, I had a near-death experience uh, when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, since I've done research, I've found that that can become a pretty common theme in people kind of developing a thirst and a, a curiosity for the spiritual and as I got older and into my teenage years, I was, I was hunting spirituality. I was brought up in Catholicism, uh, you know, confirmed Catholic. Uh, I went to a Catholic school when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, like I heard you joking about on, on, uh, on your podcast the other day, uh, you know, I was just confused. It was, uh, it was all ridiculous to me. And uh, every time I asked a question, you know, I got scolded for asking that question. And so yeah, there's uh, a few holes in this theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they don't. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I do feel sorry now. Looking back, I feel sorry for that young girl who was probably <laughs> just been told to look after the six-year-olds, and here's me, little smartass, trying to pull apart the Bible. Yeah, so I do feel sorry for her now. However, there's definitely some holes in the story for sure. Yeah, Sister Mary didn't like me very much, and uh, but you know, it, uh, it 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 made me curious, and I went on a you know I went on a hunt, and unfortunately being young and idealistic, you know, I, I kind of found myself reading a lot of new age spirituality and uh, it's, you know, when you read a lot of that stuff, it just strikes you like a bunch of charlatanism, you know, it's a lot of like snake oil peddling. And uh, so eventually I got wise enough to realize that I, I felt like it was a lot of, a lot of BS, you know? So I wanted to understand where the ideas came from that they were talking about. And I realized that they were just recycling esoteric philosophy. And so I started reading esoteric philosophy and I couldn't stop, you know? Mm. Um, And so that's kind of my background is really strong into comparative religious studies and, and especially esoteric philosophy. And so when I got into control, it was like, once again, like, okay, you know what? I got to dive into religion if I want to write a book about, you know, control and conspiracy. So um, I just went back to as far as I could and started researching uh, what I could find out, you know, to try to understand the evolution of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, the further I went back, I just kept finding all these similar patterns and, 
eventually after recognizing these patterns enough and then doing enough research into it, uh, I stumbled across the, uh, the subject of solar mythology. Yes. And uh, I just dived deep into that, trying to understand what the ideas were and what the suggestions were. And, you know, I kind of went into it thinking that maybe I can debunk it and, or, you know, this, that, and the other, but at the end of the day, what we do know about religion is that, uh, you know, if I asked a scientist, hey, you know, explain to me what, you know, what you think about religion is, you know, he would talk about a lot of things about like you were talking about earlier about uh, sun cycles, lunar cycles, uh, the harvest, especially mm-hmm. the harvest, yep. right? I mean, when we were dependent upon the food we grew to survive, it was the most important thing. Yeah. And so all the way back through all the pagan religions, it became very clear to me that uh, there was this same story being told uh, mm-hmm. again and again and again. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I looked back at one of the, uh, you know, the ideas of is just really the sun, you know, I mean, if you think how crucial and important the sun is, uh, it's absolutely fundamental in human survival. And if you can take a step back and look at it from the way, uh, you know, uh, ancient man used to look at it, you can see that, uh, you know, every day it was, a, it was a struggle of the light versus the dark. Yes. It was the day versus the night and, and the light versus the dark. And mm-hmm. when the sun disappeared for the day, the night came out and that's when the predators came out. Yeah. And, you know, that's when uh, things stopped growing for, the, for that period of time throughout mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they became to really identify with this pattern. And so what I've kind of stumbled into is just this idea of, going all the way back, all the way to the beginning of pagan religion, I kept seeing uh, the Christian narrative. And so I was trying to understand how the Christian narrative existed uh, inside all the pagan religions that it fought and battled with for so long. You know, so. I think I'm interested to see where you go. I remember you giving me flashbacks when I was looking into all this stuff, looking into comparative religion. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember getting to a certain point. I mean, if, if you take away it seems to be, you know, yeah, light versus dark, but there's also the east versus west, right? So there's the eastern right. religious philosophies and then there's the western religious philosophies. Uh, but it's all the same. That's what I sort of came to. It's like, hang on a minute. Mm-hmm. If you start looking, it's pretty much all the same. It's the same set of rules. It's the same things that these people were worshipping. And again, very much centred around the sun and the harvest and 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 the light and the dark and you know, I mean, you talk about, yeah, that the night is when the predators come out. That is still why we are scared of the dark. You know, like when children are scared of the monsters under the bed, that is literally because at nighttime, the wolves would come and take your children. You know, like that's, that, mm-hmm. that's literally what used to happen. And that, that is a genetic echo going back, who knows how many millennia, you know, like there's mm-hmm. there, but it really, and like religious people don't like to hear you say that. I've said that to a few, uh, Seems to be more like Christian faith, Catholic faith. People, when you go, yeah, it's all the same, you know. When you when you start pointing out um, Easter and Christmas and you know all these things, like no one's ever no one's ever thought about why a uh, you know what's coming up now, isn't it? No one's ever thought about why yeah. uh, the 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 rabbit delivers eggs. You know, I mean, they're they're both signs mm-hmm. of fertility, aren't they? You know, like you know, once upon a time we'd eat the rabbit and and keep the skin and make a glove out of it and we'd paint the egg and we'd give it to our neighbor, but it was all signs of fertility for the coming harvest, you know, before the, before yeah. the winter set in, you know, um, you know, honoring the tree, uh, bringing a tree inside your house. That's, you know, the, the Christmas tree 
is, you know, you're bringing a tree inside your house to honor the tree and putting presents under the trees, honoring the tree spirits and decorating the tree. And you do that because it's at the, you know, it's more of a Northern hemisphere thing where you're from. Uh, and it's, yeah, this is the, the darkest of the night. And if we honor this tree, then when the light comes back, then the harvest will be fruitful. You know, like this is the, right. these are the processes. Um, and I think, the Catholic faith of the Christian faith, which, you know, we could argue stems from Egypt, which I'm interested to see where you go, uh, does to a, to a degree, I think you'll find that they had to adapt that harvest symbology in order to convert the pagans. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. our, our God's got a holiday on the same day. Your God's got a holiday. How, how, what, what a coincidence, <laughs> you know? But, yeah, no one, yeah. but no one, no one wants to talk about it, you know. So, well, they're all they're all pagan festivals, you know. Yeah, I mean, right. all, this, all these holidays we're celebrating, and that's a lot about what we're going to talk about today, you know. Because yeah. in this struggle between dark and light, is everything that humanity's ever written about or celebrated? I mean, it's it's good versus evil. It's heaven and hell. It's yin yang. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, the sun rises in the east, it sets in the west. It's the fundamental building block of life on earth. And mm. without the sun, there is no life. It is the creator. God, the sun, is good. Mm-hmm. And night, you know, after the sun sets, it travels the underworld uh, or under the world, right? Because yep. it's yep. it's going, it's moving through the sky, you know, uh, during the day. And then it's moving down underneath the world uh, at night. Mm-hmm. And... So therefore, you know, evil is dark and it's the dark side versus the force, you know, as, uh, you know, we all know uh, George Lucas was a big Joseph Campbell guy, you know, yeah. and that's yeah. where all these ideas for that, those movies came from. Mm-hmm. It's but it's also, battle. yeah, exactly. it's heaven and hell, you know, it's, yeah. it's things that are not just theologically opposite, but they're geometrically opposite, you know, heaven is up, hell is down, heaven is and has always been up above and mm. hell is and has always been down below and under the earth and Mm. You know, you talked about Egyptian religion, and I think that's really, I mean, everything that I've studied, I mean, there, everything goes back to it. This, you know, the battle of Horus and Seth is the first story of night versus day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they say that Seth, you know, I mean, even the name, I mean, Seth, he, you know, he's originally called Set. Mm-hmm. Well, sunset, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the idea. That's why we say sunset. Yes, that's um, right. And when we start to debunk or go through a lot of this stuff, we start to realize that all these words and ideas that our culture is built on is rooted in these things, you know, which is why we say sunset, you know, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny because Seth stands at the bow, the bow of the boat of Ra yeah. and he slays the enemies of Ra as the ship traverses the sky on his daily journey. Mm-hmm. So they make it very clear in Egyptian religion what what these battles of good versus evil are. They're very upfront about it. And, you know, you had the old gods and then you had the battle in Egypt, in Egypt about the one true God versus the gods. Mm. And, you know, that's a really interesting part of Egyptian uh, history in, in general, but, mm. you know, to get away from, you know, what you kind of see with this battle of Horus and Seth is, uh, you know, is, is the essence of it all. And, um, I think the thing I found most interesting was, you know, just diving into Horace a little bit and wanting to understand him. His story is, it's exactly Jesus's story. You know, it's, it's exactly the Christian story, Mm -hmm. Um, everything Mm -hmm. about it. And uh, all the same, man. It's all the same. 
Every, right. Yeah, right. It, it, all these guys, and it's not just Egypt. You start looking deeper into, you know, there's the same story in Samaria. There's the same story in uh, in the Mediterranean where it's like the God Absolutely. goes to sleep for three days, comes back, you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's there's so many of the – that story is repeated over and over and over and over again, you know? So it's like – is it the key details in the story that we need to focus on? Like, where are we at? Like, that's that seemed that's what I've looked at. It's like, okay, so if the same story is told over and over and over and over again, what are the these key details? You know, the the deity yeah. dies and then he disappears. Yeah. Or he disappears for three days and then comes back. And you know, is that is that the sun disappearing for three days at a time? Like, is that has that happened in the past? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you look at. Um, yeah, I mean the the Roman the Roman Catholic thing's an interesting one. Like if you theoretically, this as the story goes, that the Roman Empire switched to Catholicism on a coin flip, practically. Basically, it was if, yeah. if, if you know, I think they were they were in a battle. I'm trying to remember the I can't remember the details right now, but there was a battle. Uh, they lost the day before, uh, and then the you know the the Catholic priest or the 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 monk says if you choose if you change to catholicism uh the one true god will guarantee you victory right and so basically and that's it that's in in theory that's the story of how the roman empire put on the jackboot of the cat you know the catholic the catholics put on the jackboot of the roman empire through a bet you know for nothing you know and if you talk about constantine constantine wasn't catholic or christian or whatever it is till his deathbed so it's like and he yeah. re- he rewrote the bible uh which is the one that we you know a lot of the the, the modern one we use today yeah. it's uh it's so fascinating this stuff mate so where are we going to start man where are we going to where do you want to where do you want to begin on this solar journey through time <laughs> well i think you already said it you know i think the important part is to understand what are all the common facts okay so what do we know about all these different religious icons and, and what their story tells. And so I think the best way to dive into it is Horus, you know? So Horus was born on December 25th uh, of a virgin, Isis. Um, he was, uh, there was a star in the East, which was Sirius. He was adored by three kings, the three magi. Uh, he was a teacher at 12. Uh, he was baptized and started his ministry at 30. Uh, He had 12 disciples. He performed miracles. He was uh, called the Lamb of God, the Lamb of Light. He was crucified. He was dead for three days, and he was resurrected. I'm sure Um, I've heard that somewhere before. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't Jesus you're thinking of, it was Addis of Greece, who was born of a virgin, born on December 25th, crucified, dead for three days, resurrected. It was Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Krishna, born of a virgin, Devaka, star in the east, performed miracles, resurrected. It was... Dionysus, born of a virgin, born on December 25th, performed miracles, king of kings, uh, Alpha and Omega resurrected, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't stop there. I mean, Mithra has a very similar story. He was born of a virgin on December 25th. Yep. Uh, 12 disciples performed miracles, dead for three days, resurrected. And uh, uh, obviously Sunday was the day of uh, worship for Mithra. Yeah. Which we know to be the facts in in other religions today. And Mm -hmm. there's no... Uh, coincidence that Sunday comes from the day of the sun, right? Yes, yes. So it's very clear. It's not even hidden. It just takes a little bit of understanding where the names for the days of the week come from. Mm. 
Um, and then, of course, that leads us to Jesus, who is the ultimate solar messiah. Um, you know, but a, a lot of these guys, and, I, and we could go on and on. I could, I could list them for hours. It is everybody from Thor to Odin to, uh, you know, um, uh, Genghis Khan. I mean, just his, his historic figures, mm-hmm. you know, and you see this born of a virgin in ancient mythology. And, and interestingly enough, you'll see a lot is uh, a lot of the names of the virgin mothers in these stories is, is always uh, rooted in, in Ma, M-A, right? Which means mm-hmm. mother. Mm-hmm. So you have Mary and you have uh, Mira in the Syrian myth and Maya in the Greek myth, Maya in the Hindu. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this never stops. It just keeps going. And are you trying to tell me that all of the mothers of all of the religious icons ever just happen to have the name mother? Yes. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's yeah. clearly a story and not, uh, you know, not historical fact. And mm. uh, for me, you know, it was interesting. I started kind of going through the Bible again and, um, I'm going to refer to some notes here. Let me pull this up real quick. Uh, yeah, pull it up, mate. Uh, John me... eight twelve. Oh no, go ahead, please. Uh, I was just thinking, you know, Thor's uh, Thor's day, Thursday. You know what I mean? There's there's mm-hmm. all these things, right? Yep. I, I think you know, one of one of the uh, people just don't understand the echoes and the genetic echoes through time that we literally deal with every single day through yep. what we say through naming things through all that sort of stuff like there's the classic you know knock on wood you know for good luck that's mm-hmm. um that's honoring the tree spirits right you were supposed yep. to knock on wood and ask them and say can you make sure this goes okay and people do that today i mean i use that nearly every day in my class you know knock on wood knock 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 you know mm-hmm. there's so many echoes of of this stuff and yeah you could you're right i i i've forgotten about a couple of those and yeah, you could just keep going forever. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Virgin absolutely. birth, teacher, you know, went for three days, came back, miracles, you know, and and it's uh, what I find interesting though, and I'm I'm wondering where you're going to go with it is, uh, you know, just the level of control that the the ultimate that Jesus got, you know, like how did they they obviously hooked into the right story and 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 gave it the right caveats for it to to really spread globally didn't they i mean obviously it was the jackboot of the roman empire was the big one however um still like it 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 captures people to this day you know yeah no absolutely man and it's when you dive into the you know if you just even look in the bible you know which there's so many mistranslations due to all the moving around through the languages um, that a lot of a lot of the real information has been lost. But even if you look at the modern one, I mean, you see it again and again. And I just pulled this up. So like John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Uh, in other words, he's the sun. He's While the sun, I am yeah. in the world, I am the light of the world. The people living in darkness have a great light. On those living in the land and the shadows of death, a light has dawned. Um, Matthew 17, 2, his face shone like the sun. Um, John uh, 1, 3 through 3 and 8 is through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Uh, and I mean, I got, there's, you know, 50 more here and they, they all are uh, basically, you know, uh, admitting that, that Jesus is in fact the son in this mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. And so when we start to look at, uh, at, at these similarities and try to understand why they exist in all these, you know, various religions, 
it becomes pretty uh, pretty easy to to figure out when you just put a little bit of a look into it, which is you know uh, uh, you know for instance, uh, why born of a virgin? You know, like that's that's always an interesting one. And yeah, um, when I looked into Jesus, you know, it, it the first thing is that Jesus. It's very hard to prove that Jesus was an actual person. That yes. He, uh, you know, there's very few, um, his, nobody historically at the time, and the historical record is very thorough at that time mm. during his life, but yet nobody talks about him. Um, and it isn't until 70 years later that he pops up with uh, Pliny the Younger, and there's like a, two more people, but they never refer to Jesus as Jesus. They refer to the Christos mm. uh, or the anointed one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's maybe only a sentence or two you can find from each of these people. So it becomes really curious that there's no uh, historical proof that Jesus ever existed, which, you know, leads me to believe potentially he was more of a story uh, mm-hmm. or an analogy or a metaphor than he was an actual person. Yeah. The other problem is, do you run into the Jesus thing? It's like crucifixions weren't crosses back then. They were T's, right? When you, when you yep. were crucified, it was not a... It was not a cross. It was a T that you were crucified on. And that's pretty well documented as well. Like there's a whole, there's a lot of things that uh, are crucial to the story that fall apart under not that much investigation. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it, and again, it's just, it's, it's faith, isn't it? You're supposed to take it on faith. That's the, you know, you, 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 you question these things to staunch, uh, religious people are like, oh no, you just you don't have faith. You don't have faith. It's right, you know. So, but it's like, no, well, I'm okay with it. You know, I think the the fundamentally the problem with Jesus for me is, let's pretend for a second that he was real, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was a carpenter. So that means he was a tradie, right? So that means you know he he, he got on the he got on, got on the beers with his mates, and you know he made mistakes and he did all that sort of stuff and it's the whole, the fact that we deify him as hanging from a cross, I think is fairly morbid, right? If, if he was the cool guy, we asked, you know, I'd believe in a person much easier if it was, yeah, look, you know, you know, I had a bit of an interesting birth. I went on an interesting journey. All I did was trying to spread some love, man. You know, I had, I had a good time. I had some mates, I had a missus and, uh, you know, I was just trying to spread love, man. That's all I wanted to do. You know, love thy neighbor and love everyone. It's all cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't die for your sins. I enjoyed the pleasures of the flesh and, you know, and, and I got hung for it. Right. Yeah. And all I yeah. wanted to do was spread love. Okay. If that's the story, cool. I could probably get on board with that, but yeah. The, and the, the symbology of the cross and, and just the uh, it's dark, man. It's dark. Like I imagine as well, you know, when you start looking into religion and, I went to a couple of confirmations for some, uh, like, uh, you know, nephews of mine, right? Because just my wife's family is religious still. And the words that they say, it's unbelievable. Like the, get the Satan out of the air and blah, blah, blah. It's like, this is dark, man. Are you guys yeah. reading what's going on here? Like, but mm-hmm. because it's indoctrinated, they just stand there and recite it like zombies. It's like, you're actually, uh, yeah, not only are you reciting some very dark words, and then there's you know there's 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 power in reciting these words. However, 
you're casting a spell. Look, if you read this stuff, it's like, man, you guys are, it's some dark stuff. You know, I think there's a, there's a much darker side to Catholicism and Christian faith that people don't want to acknowledge. You know, it's like you talk about, there's not a lot of evidence for Jesus to exist yet. They've got these like, um, Oh, I can't, I can never remember what they're called. What are they? They're tokens or, it's like you go to, I've been to a few of these things where they got the, the, this little test tube. It's like, oh, this is the bit of a tooth from Father Pope Francis II or whatever. It's like, what are you doing with a bit of tooth yeah. in a jar, man? Like, that's yeah. twisted. Uh, yeah. Icons, that's what they're called, aren't they? Icons. Or yeah, whatever they are. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, witchcraft is bad, but you're carrying around a bit of tooth in a jar, right? Yeah. What's the difference? You know what I mean? Like, the you and... Yeah, it's it's strange stuff, mate. Strange. No, stuff. I mean the pagans used to make fun of the Christians for that yeah, stuff. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. They were like, "Look at these weirdos," you know. I mean, now, you know, they were also sacrificing people, and they had their own things going on. But mm. you know, I mean, it's yeah, it, it's uh, you know, it's an interesting thing um, to kind of see. But you know, you were talking about the cross, and I feel like we should probably touch on that real quick here because. A lot of what solar mythology is, is it's the belief that the story of Jesus and all these other gods is really the story of uh, the sun moving through the Zodiac throughout yeah. the course of a year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so, so really what, what, we're gonna, what we can kind of take down and what we'll get through today is, is how, you know, you know, Jesus' ministry was said to have been one year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that happens to be obviously the length of the Zodiac year. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in a, in a little while here, we'll go through and we'll all, you know, I'll kind of show how it goes through all the signs of the Zodiac and exactly what it all means and, and how this all came to be. But um, I've got some slides here that I want to kind of pull up of, uh, you know, what it means when we talk about the cross. So yeah, let's do it, Mike. Pull it I'm going to pull this up here real quick, just so people can see what we're talking about. No worries. Do you know what, what, while you're doing that, do you know what's interesting is that uh, no one knows who named the Zodiac? Correct. Correct. And uh, what I found fascinating with that is, um, is that Sharon for yeah, you, that, sir? Yeah, yeah, that's up there, mate. Yep. Okay. Do I need to get that in full screen for us? Uh, if you hit play, you should be able to, it should maybe turn it into the slideshow. Okay. Let me do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. there oh, there we go. Okay. There perfect. Go, so, perfect. Um, so this image here I, I started this with is uh, a picture that I saw recently online. It was on Twitter of a, a, of a rare solar halo in Sweden. Yes, I and, saw this. Um, yeah. If you notice it, it's a traditional solar cross is what it is. And mm -hmm. it made me start thinking that if I was, a, if I was ancient man and, uh, and I saw this effect, I would see this as a sign from God, you know, Absolutely. and uh, so there's no, uh, there's no question as to when I see something like this, where I see the, understand the association to the, to the religious iconography of the halo. Yeah. It's and, also the uh, medicine wheel as well from a pagan tradition. They exactly. call it the medicine wheel. I mean, if you look at the, exactly. the uh, Australia's Stonehenge, right. That was bulldozed in 46 at both ends of that massive stone arrangement was that was the medicine wheel was this was yeah. the circle with the cross in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's it. Uh, uh, oh, look, this is CNN. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I wanted to, this was from our, I wanted to talk to you about this just because I laughed when CNN launched their pay service, which 
I can't imagine who the hell would pay for this, but uh, notice <laughs> it's a Templar symbol. I was just going to say red and white with the cross <laughs> in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and the yeah. cross, of course, which, you uh, know, they are, uh, uh, they are. But, you know, here's the traditional cross of the Zodiac. Yep. Um, you know, so you've got the earth moving through, uh, moving through it here, or the sun, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, you can see, you know, all these signs are the constellations. And mm-hmm. uh, when we look up into the stars, the, the constellations don't actually look anything like this. They're just a couple of dots, right? Yeah. So <laughs> the question becomes, how did we turn a couple of dots into uh, a guy pouring a pitcher of water or a scorpion or, uh, mm-hmm. or right. a crab or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that, that, that raised a lot of questions for me to try to understand. But but the circle and the cross, the, you know, the cross of the Zodiac is something that's been around since the beginning of time. And uh, we've seen it in all sorts of various forms. This is an Egyptian one. Yep. Um, so if you look carefully at this, I know the image isn't that great when it got blown up a little bit, but um, the constellation are actually the same. So, you know, yes. the Zodiac is all these ideas of the Zodiac today originated in Egypt and this is well, another they, as Egyptian I say, they, one. They don't know. They don't know. It's like who named the Zodiac right. the Zodiac. And like you said, the, the, the only description you come back with when you look into that, because I, I remember coming across this and going, what do you mean no one knows who named the Zodiac? And it's just the further you look back, the, the, the basic explanation is exactly what you said, Dan. It's since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the only, since the beginning of time, we have understood that the Zodiac exists in the sky and it's the same bit symbology. It's the same, same, same. Doesn't matter. It just, you know, it's like, and it's one of the, that's to me is one of those things. It's like, so like the Atlantic Ocean. No one knows who named the Atlantic. No one knows, right? It's just the Atlantic, right? Yet we have the hubris to pretend that we know everything when we don't know basic things like no one knows who named the Zodiac. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, the holes are interesting, but I've never seen that one though. That's interesting. But the yeah, this is an Egyptian image, uh, another version of of the Egyptian image, um, and then this is another Egyptian one too, where you can see it really clearly. Um, and this is a, a really old, great version of it. Um, you know, definitely the the same. You know, the same symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's from India. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you'll notice all the same constellations in here, even though, uh, you know, obviously society was completely different in India versus Egypt mm-hmm. uh, and in a different time altogether. Um, this is the Greek one right here. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no, uh, oh, and this is one of my favorite, the Christian Zodiac. So this one, they just go ahead and put Jesus as the sun right in the center of this one. Oh, no point um, messing around with it. Just, yeah, yeah, just get right to the get right to it, you know. And then, um, of course, the Last Supper here uh, with uh, you know Mr. Da Vinci's famous painting. Mm-hmm. If you notice, you have Christ in the center, um, and then you have three uh, or four groups of three disciples to the sides of him, representing the different uh, quadrants of the of the cross of the zodiac. I believe mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. Da Vinci was saying with this. Although there's been Lots of speculation with what Da Vinci was saying about these things. Well, I mean, obviously, um, obviously, it's uh, there's Mary to his right there as well. I mean, that's uh, everyone yeah, wants to say yeah. that. it's so so clearly a girl. Like when when someone said to me, "Is there a girl in this picture?" I pointed out, "Like, yeah, that's that looks like a girl to his right there." It, if yeah. you want to go back there as well, 
you know, you look at some of the iconography in that, like yeah. the, the three windows at the back there, that's all triptych echo stuff as well. That's all uh, God self iconography oh, and all that sort of stuff as well. It's all right, I'm mate. I'm kind keep of going. a layman with this. I apologize. Yeah, oh, keep, I going, keep, keep going, man. Keep going. Keep going, man. But, uh, you know, and then these are the, you know, famous old paintings of Jesus where he clearly has the cross of the zodiac as a halo behind him, mm -hmm. uh, per that image that we were just looking at. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, anybody who uh, understands pagan religion knows that the, the pagan cross here on the right is just the shorthand version of the cross of the zodiac. Yeah. Uh, and when you look at it, you understand that, okay, this is the cross. You know, mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. it's a, you know, it's, I've got another one here. Oh, here's one of Jesus. Oh no, I'm sorry. That's not Jesus. That's Dionysus. Oh, sorry. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. This image predates Christianity. Um, and it's Dionysus hanging on the cross with his legs in a similar way that uh, Jesus would be depicted. Mm -hmm. um, and the seven stars above him and the moon, um, you know, pretty Christian in its iconography, but, you know, uh, Greek uh, Dionysian mystery uh, religion there. And mm -hmm. then, of course, you have the cross, the Egyptian cross. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the Yanks up there somewhere, Mike. Yes, yep. sir. Yeah. Yep. yep. And, uh, you know, so. So you at the very least understand that, you know, in addition to the cross of the Zodiac, the Egyptians worshiped the cross, mm -hmm. you know, and that was uh, pre-Christian. Um, and then the, the wheel, uh, the wheel of life, you know, or the, the wheel, uh, the Dharma, mm -hmm. um, you know, a cross of the Zodiac, essentially, and its symbolism. Mm -hmm. um, and then these are a few others. Uh, we've got the Jainism uh, uh, swastika, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, of course, uh, the Nazis picked up on. But the reason why the Nazis and why uh, chose this is because if you look at a swastika, it's actually the cross in motion. Yes. So you can argue that it's the cross uh, moving, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then down here, you've got some some pagan uh, pagan symbols, uh, very much rooted in the same ideas. And and then this this uh, this is a glyph here on the bottom right. Yeah. Um, from a from a magic text. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. something rooted in the in the ideas of you know that that type of magic and well, as you um, say as you say you know you, we a lot of people would understand it as the uh, as the medicine wheel right so you're using the right. medicine wheel and yeah that that is used alchemically right there's a, a, when you look into alchemy that that symbol is is used a lot uh, all of those things yeah it's uh, yeah. It, it echo through echo through echo you know I think. Uh, and, and again, it's a, it's a disservice to people because in our schooling system, we don't learn any of this stuff, right? It's like, right. you know, right. it's uh, you believe in God, Jesus, all that sort of stuff. Well, no, hang on a minute. Well, there's, there's symbolism and uh, the same story echoing through time across the globe. Like I wonder how much more open would people be if we understood the intricacies of the religious context that we're actually talking about. You know, it's interesting, right? right? It's interesting. Right. Um, but one of the things, you know, so when we look back at these details, right, that are listed, um, you know, why are they all born of a virgin? So we know that Jesus was said to have been born in Bethlehem. Um, and I did some digging into this because uh, I had, I had remember reading some things that suggested that perhaps he wasn't born in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, what I found was that 
According to the Israeli uh, or the Israel Antiquities Authority, the IAA, uh, there was no Bethlehem in Judea at the time of Jesus's birth. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, they mention it uh, during uh, uh, the Iron Period, but during the Herodian Period or Herodian Period, uh, there was no mention of uh, a Bethlehem in Galilee, um, which was where Jesus was supposed to be born. So the question becomes naturally then, why do we say Jesus was born in Bethlehem? But That's a good question, yeah. Yeah, well, what I found when I looked into it was, you know, I just started with Bethlehem. What does it translate to? What does it mean? And mm -hmm. it means the house of bread. And when you look into the idea of the house of bread, you realize that that's a reference to Virgo the Virgin. Um, the Virgo is often depicted as a virgin holding a chaff of wheat. Yes. And the reason that it's done so is because uh, Virgo is actually the sign that would be uh, during the time uh, in later in September yeah, 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 um, yeah. when we're actually harvesting, harvesting uh, the crop. Mm. So, yeah, so it, it makes sense to say that, uh, you so know, Jesus this, was uh, a Virgo. That's what we're this saying. This is a reference, right? Because he was bringing, you know, he was the sun's fruit and uh, oh, he was bringing okay. all this. So, um, you know, that was something I found to be super interesting and, you know, it's, it's also interesting to note that, that when you look back and you want to understand when Jesus was born, we know that the December 25th date was adopted because of all the pagan mm -hmm, holidays mm -hmm. that existed at the time. But when you go through all the scripture, you kind of see a couple of different hints that, and some of it doesn't agree with each other, but, you know, it's most likely, you know, if you read Luke chapter one, he gives a timeline of Jesus's conception and he was most likely born in the fall of September between 21 to 24 of uh, AD um, because his cousin, John the Baptist was born earlier in spring of March. So Jesus was born six months later in September AD, uh, you know, which again points to that yearly cycle in Virgo the Virgin. So, mm -hmm. you know, to say that Jesus was born of the Virgin is, is arguably through these connections. And these are the, this is like, this is the biggest leap of faith you have to make when you look at this stuff. Yeah. So if you can accept that, the rest of it's easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because when we look at, um, you know, a lot of these other ideas, the 12 disciples are clearly the, the, the 12 constellations of the mm -hmm. Zodiac. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, some of these other uh, ideas, I mean, like, so, you know, one thing I wanted to understand was, okay, well, we celebrate Jesus's death and resurrection in the spring, right? So if you're trying to figure out where the year starts, you've got a couple options. One would be the, the winter solstice. One would be the, the, spring, the spring equinox. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, it makes sense that what happened was these stories got pulled together. Mm. Um, because what I really wanted to understand was the death and resurrection story. I mean, there are billions of people on this planet that believe that a man was, uh, you know, crucified and then was dead for three days and then, you know, was resurrected and uh, hung out on earth for a little bit and made some moves and then uh, ascended into heaven. So I wanted to understand that. And as I started looking into this stuff, uh, you know, it had to get a little wonky for a little while mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you got to understand where people are coming from at this time. So if you go back and you kind of look at where 
um, where the stars were and how they were moving um, back 2000 years ago at the time that these books would have been written. Um, if you look at it from that perspective, then you can really trace yourself through the Zodiac accurately. Yeah. You know, because one, one of the things I find interesting is all the people that believe in, uh, uh, you know, kind of this astrology. Um, like, for instance, you know, I was born on June 1st, so that makes me a Gemini. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if you look at the where the stars were when on the day I was actually born, uh, I, I'm not a Gemini. I would be, uh, I believe I would be a Cancer. Well, isn't it that, that's you're looking at, uh, that's your rising sign. And so, yeah, it's like there's the date that you were born. And then when you get your uh, astrology done correctly, they're looking at your rising house. So where the stars right. were. Right. Uh, and then your, your, where, where, where was the moon as well? And that's your rising sign and your waning sign. I'm trying to remember now, but yeah, when you get your yeah, or sun sign and moon sign, sun yeah. sign, moon sign, and then yeah. yeah, there's a there's a couple of different yeah. Which house are you passing through when you were born? Uh, yeah, when you get your astrology done uh, correctly, you get your numbers done correctly. They go through all of that. Yeah, your sun yeah. sign, your moon sign, your actual yeah. sign, and. Uh, yeah, astrology is one of those interesting things, man. It's like everyone poo-poos it, but it's literally the oldest thing that we have. There is nothing else. No one knows who named the Zodiac. Everybody paid attention to it, you know, and it, it still blows me away too. Like if you're going to walk yourself through the Zodiac 2000 years ago, then how did they know? Like technically there was no telescopes, you know, like how do, what are we, what are we even talking about here for them right. to be able to understand what they were talking about? You know, is it is it myth and legend or that's come back through for them to understand that? Or did they have the ability to observe it? Were they using these old temples to observe it? You know, like this is, there's so many questions, so many questions. Well, yeah, no. And, and the cool thing about the, you know, watching this happen as the constellations move through based on the time of year. Um, so, you know, the point I was trying to make is, uh, essentially we're using a Zodiac from sixth century. Um, so for some reason today, even though we look at astrology as to where everything was, we're really looking at what, where it was in sixth century, because that's when the kind of accepted modern day version of the Zodiac was put into place because everything based on the rotation of the earth and time passing and, uh, the procession of the equinoxes, which is, really important to understand because it's a 26,000 year cycle. You, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not actually a Gemini. I was actually born in a different constellation, but because when we think about astrology and the Zodiac, we're looking at this sixth century version and we're also looking at it from where these people were, you know, which was, you know, the latitude of the Holy lands, you know, Mm. because you had, Jerusalem was in about 25 to 50 degrees, uh, you know, uh, north. Yep. So on the kind of, you know, breakdown of everything, I know you're, yep. you know, you're in one of the rare places where there's actually people in the, in the Southern part, mm. um, because most of civilization has occurred in that very narrow band in the North. Yes. Um, and so, you know, you have to kind of, we have to kind of look at how they were looking at it at that time mm-hmm. to kind of understand how this, how this uh, mythology plays out. 
So, so just expand for me for a second, just so I can grasp it a bit more. Yeah. When, when you say we're dealing with a, a zodiac or a, the wheel from the sixth century, what do you mean by that? Like, is that is, is that is that the common thing that astrology is used for today? Comes from the sixth century. Is that what you're saying? Correct. So because uh, okay, so I guess we have to kind of back up here for a second and 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 talk about the ages. So mm-hmm. where uh, you know. Well, I guess maybe we should just go all the way back to the beginning. Um, <laughs> but, you know, all right. So let me get, let me give you a long answer to get there. Right. Yeah, so yeah, no worries. Um, there are no short answers. Dan. Yeah. There's no, there's no know, short answers, man. I know. Uh, so, you know, we think about high noon, right? So the term high noon is when the sun is uh, essentially in between where it rises in the East and sets in the West. It's at its highest point uh, of the day. Uh, which is how people used to set their clocks, you know? Yes. So they didn't have all the tech we did. So they would realize that, you know, when the sun's at its highest based on observation, that's high noon. Mm-hmm. And that's why clock hands both point up directly up mm-hmm. at noon. Um, and that's where all that comes from. Um, and that's why when you look at a sundial, uh, the way that the shadow moves around the sundial is how we came up with what today is known as as clockwise, right? Yep. Um, in the northern hemisphere, so mm-hmm. you know, again, where most of these cultures were thriving and observing and and coming up with these ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I was talking about the latitude of the Holy Land, where you have to consider the latitude of the time of year, right? Because yep. as you move all the way up north to the Arctic, um, you know, there's Basically, one six-month six period of darkness, one six-month period of light. And then, you know, as you move down, those start to get longer and longer because you have to take into consideration the wobble of the earth as it's spinning. Um, so, yeah. you know, I realize that's, uh, you know, that's a little bit confusing and a little wonky, but that gets us to this idea eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because from there, we're trying to figure out you know, what it means to observe from the Northern Hemisphere and understand the Earth's procession in the stars um, because it is like a gyroscope. So, you know, 2000 years ago, the celestial North, North Pole was not where the star Polaris is today. It's not uh, the celestial North Pole is very close to Polaris now. Mm. Um, and we call Polaris the North Star because if you can find it and point it out, you're pointing north, right? Yeah. Um, but at zero AD, the celestial North Pole was actually between the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yep, absolutely. So, yep. you know, when you apply that to the idea of astrology, it's the same idea, right? We, it wouldn't be in the same place as when it was first designated. Mm-hmm. It's moved mm-hmm. on based on the procession. So, yeah, procession of the equinox, one degree every 72 years, that sort of stuff. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, yep. sir. And so, you know, you've got uh, the second difference is 2000 years ago, the sun was entering Capricorn mm. on December 22nd, whereas today the sun doesn't arrive at that position until January 18th, almost a month later. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just it, we have to think about this in terms of how they were observing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our current calendar is, uh, you know, it keeps track of the solar year. Yeah. And not very well, also, no. as you know, right? No, no, no. We have to use leap year and all this really confusing stuff. Well, there's an interesting there's an interesting concept where it used to be 360 days. Like something happened and the solar year got stretched by 
three days or four days. Correct. Because the Sumerian stuff's all based around 12. That's how come we have 60 seconds. That's how come yes. we have 360 degrees. That's all Sumerian stuff. And it would make sense that once upon a time, the year was 360 days because that's a circle because we're tracking that thing. And something happened to the earth or to the orbit or something like that, which extended the day. Cause it, yeah, the calendar is not exact. It's uh, right. And it's, it's an interesting thing. It's all, also the, you talk about the, um, the Zodiac. There's also Ophusius, the serpent was, was in there somewhere as well. The 13th. Uh, Draco. Yeah. Draco. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Draco or Ophusius is another one. Yeah. Uh, it has a lot of names. Yep. But yeah, the yep. serpent anyway, it's like the, there was the serpent was once upon a time in that wheel somewhere along there. Um, who knows how long ago, but once upon a time, yeah, there was a, and the serpent's an interesting one too. You want to you want to get into that, like the the mythology oh, yeah. of the serpent. Like uh, I mean, that's all through Catholicism and all that sort of stuff. It's uh, you know, so it makes you wonder when did they change that or why? You know, like there's there's so many questions. Yeah, no, there's a great book by a, a fantastic uh, esoteric philosopher named uh, Mark Booth. It's called the uh, the Secret History of the World as Laid Down by Secret Societies and um, he, uh, he, he goes deep uh, into explaining to the layman um, what the esoteric secret societies teach to their initiates about history. And it's a wildly different version of history than we've been told. Unbelievable. Um, and the, yeah. the serpent is a huge part of that story. Massive, massive. Yeah, and, and he does a great job of, of, of getting into the details. I highly recommend that book to anybody who wants to understand what the secret societies teach their initiates. Um, but just to jump back to the solar mythology for a minute. So yeah. sorry, mate. It, sorry. Such no, a no, no. Such a fascinating no. topic. There's so many. And it's covers. all interwoven, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. this is all, this around. all connects yeah. by the time we're done. It, it's just all linked together. So, mm -hmm. um, but if we look at the seasons of the year, we know that the sidereal year begins on the winter solstice. December 21st and is the beginning of winter, right? So the winter solstice is the shortest day of the year. Yep. Sun rises south of due east and sets south of due west. Yep. Uh, it's at a low angle in the sky because the days are short yep. and uh, it's cold during winter and it mm -hmm. rains a lot during winter. And then you've got the spring equinox, which as the year progresses, the days get longer and longer. Each day the sun rises and sets slightly and is farther north uh, than it was the day before. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the summer solstice, as the year progresses, the days continue to get longer. And each day, the sun rises farther north and due east. Yep. Um, and then, you know, in the autumn, after the summer solstice, the days begin to get shorter. And each day, the sun rises and sets slightly farther south. Yep. So just to kind of paint that picture of how, how this all kind of comes together. But you are, um, and then, if you do that, you are making the cross again, aren't you? That's the thing too. You, you are. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely are. And, yeah. you know, it's, you know, and then we have to think about the celestial sphere because the way that, you know, the man claimed before Galileo was that the earth, as you know, was the center of the universe. And so we Still had to, to some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, the, you know, these ideas of uh, what, what the stars were is, you know, the, the, these people, the ancients believed that there was some sphere moving around called the celestial sphere uh, around the earth, you know, and then Galileo was like, nah, I don't think that's what's going on. I think here's what was going on. And then, of course, you know, he was uh, 
uh, extremely, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was Galileo put to death for that. I, I can't remember if he was uh, actually put I, to death or not for that. I, I think he might've been, it was one of them was, was I know he was put on trial. He was put on know? trial. I don't, I don't know whether he was hung for it, but yeah, I do. Yeah. We should know that, but we don't, that's okay. But yeah, Galileo, yeah he, right. he was, he was that's ostracized right. for sure. He was look, a lot of these, a lot of these, again, a lot of these basic principles we accept as fact now, People right. were burned at the stake for even mentioning that that could be true, you know, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy, you know? No, it's, it's wild for sure. And, uh, you know, this research was really interesting for me because, you know, if you look at like, you know, you talked about the 360 uh, days, a lot of the stuff that I've read says that, um, you know, I've heard what you were saying. I've also heard that it was just a nice round number. Yeah. And uh, because if you look at a circle, a circle has 360 degrees. And but the only so, way uh, we know that is through the Sumerian texts, right? And that, right. because they operate on right. 12, but it's the 12, 12 bits of your fingers as well. That's, a, that's another way to look at it as well. Like there's all these different interpretations. Yeah. But yeah, 360 yeah. Is, comes, yeah, understanding pi and all that sort of stuff. The Sumerians understood all that a long time before the Greeks did. You know, that's another yeah. thing. It's like we got all our mathematics from Greece. And all, all, look, I'm Greek. I can say this. There's every chance that the Greeks stole it, right, from Sumerians. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think they discovered it. I think they stole it. But anyway, uh, yeah, it goes back a lot further than we can even begin to imagine. Yeah. So if you're willing to try to figure out, like, where to start the year, if you're looking at the Zodiac, um, you know, I think the winter, the winter solstice is what, you know, most people agree would be the, the kind of starting point for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not going to take the vernal equinox. And so, um, you know, it, it was interesting because the Gregorian calendar, like if we look at the Mayan calendar, the Mayan calendar was uh, uh, absolutely perfect, uh, I guess, uh, down to minutes. Yes. Um, it's so accurate. And uh, uh, lunar cycle of the lunar calendar is much more accurate than the solar, uh, the solar calendar is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the question becomes, why did uh, the Julian calendar get put into place? And, uh, you know, after researching this pretty extensively, I feel that there's a lot of proof that um, it was to guide this idea that this is all rooted in. Okay. Uh, because the solar year is, uh, is, is able to, to, to relate this mythology accurately. Okay. Um, so, you know, the sun is born or reborn on December 25th. Um, and numerous pagan solar religions uh, celebrate this as the birth of their sun god. Mm, yes, um, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what Christians don't realize is how much of their religion is borrowed by pagan religions. Oh, they don't um, like it. Don't point it out. They don't like that. No, they don't. And, you know, there are, uh, you know, uh, funny enough, there are a lot, you know, there's a lot of Christian apologists. Like if you look back at uh, Justin Martyr, um, he was like around in like 100 AD. So he was one of the first kind of forefathers of the Christian movement. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he had to answer for was uh, the fact that Christianity was so similar to all the other religions. And so he goes through and he points out, you know, if you go and look at his apology, because <laughs> he's a Christian apologist, right. um, if you read his apology, you see that 
um, essentially he admits all these similarities. He brings up Mithra and Krishna and the Roman gods and all these similarities in the story. And uh, he says, because he has to say something, uh, the only thing that he can pitch to people about why this is, is he basically said that the devil was so aware that, that Christianity was coming that the devil went before Christianity and then implanted all of these stories by his course demons into history. So of course he it, did. it's like God hiding dinosaur bones Yes, you know, to test right. our faith. To test know? our and faith, that's exactly right. That's all he's got, man. I mean, and he literally says it. You know, you can go back and read that. And he he says, listen, the devil did it. You the know, de- it, it the was- devil, the devil did it. Devil came yeah. down from Georgia. <laughs> devil came down from Georgia and he did all these things. He did. And it's hilarious to me, uh, you know, because I'm I'm looking at this like you gotta be kidding me, you know what I mean? Mm. So and there's a lot of Christian apologists that have admitted this over the centuries mm-hmm. uh, and over the years. And this keeps getting forgotten again and again. So we're it, talking it, about it today again. You know what I mean? And I think it does. One of the things, like, obviously you've been following the triptych research that I've been doing and that sort of, yeah. it's, 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 that's, it's not on the, it's on the back burner sort of where but once we get through uh, the forbidden secrets book, we're going to de- dig deep into Cassaro's work and, I've got a few other guys doing some work around that. However, it seems that, yeah, it's, it's, it's always the devil, right? Because, I mean, if you look back at the pagan religions and the multi-gods as opposed to the, the one god, but even in the early Bible, it does say gods. It doesn't say god You know what I mean? There, right. is, there, it's, there is references. I think a lot of it, a lot of this was also to externalize the god self as well, Dan. You know, I think mm-hmm. if you look at the, the pagan gods or the Grecan gods or the Roman gods or the Egyptian gods for that, for that matter, they weren't externalizing the God self. They were, depending on whichever deity you chose to worship, they encouraged you to be the best version of yourself, right? They, they, you know, use, use the teachings from, you know, whichever God you wanted to pick and using those teachings to improve yourself, as opposed to the Christian faith, whereas it's, you will never achieve God's self. You will never actually be worthy of being the son. Uh, and, you know, then therefore you must, you know, bow down, you know, whereas a lot of the pagan religions, yeah, they had their, as I say, they weren't exactly, um, like you said, there was sacrifice and all these sorts of things. However, it was all about being the best version of you. It wasn't necessarily about becoming God or becoming sinless or whatever it is. I think there's a big part of that as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And appeasing the gods, right? I yeah. Mean, appeasing the gods. If you yeah. want a good harvest, you have to appease the gods. Mm, mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, it's important to figure out where the cross, you know, where this Zodiac starts, right? So, you know, my argument is it starts, uh, you know, during after the solstice, which yep. would be in Capricorn. So if you take the the, the zodiac and uh, and you put it in order, what you find is Capricorn is at uh, thirty degrees, mm-hmm. um, and so y- you've got this idea where uh, you know the sun or Jesus enters Aquarius from Capricorn at the age of thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, which is okay. this 30 degree age 30 correlation. Right. 
Um, and, and there's a tradition rooted in that. Like I said, the 360 degrees of a circle and, and, and all this stuff. And then, you know, as the sun passes through Capricorn, uh, traveling the 30 degrees in 30 days to reach Aquarius, mm-hmm. um, you have the beginning of the sun's annual journey around the Zodiac. And mm-hmm. that would be also, you know, as we dig into this Jesus story, the correlation of Jesus's one year ministry, right? So yeah. he, he uh, at the age of 30 was baptized by John the Baptist. Um, you have baptism, you have the house of Aquarius, which is symbolized by a man pouring a water pitcher, the water bearer. Um, so you have this very clear correlation between John the Baptist and Aquarius. And what was his, fir- uh, I see where you're going. Cause he's one of his first miracles was to do with fish. Wasn't it? Right. Because when you move in, uh, eventually you get to Pisces, right? To Pisces, and and, right? and, he, and we he, haven't even he, talked about the ages yet. The, the reverse procession yeah. where that's a huge thing, right? Yeah. Because the ages are very important in that respect, but let me, let me keep going on this and then yeah, we'll keep get going, there. Right? Keep going. Sorry. I'm joining um, dots. No. Yeah. It's this, trust me, this stuff like lit my mind up when I started understanding it. Mm. Um, it really, really got me excited, you know? So, um, you know, you've got John the Baptist uh, and he baptizes with water. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the time of year in winter where depending on where you're at, uh, a lot of rain comes, especially mm-hmm. when, you're looking at it from that perspective of the Holy land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you've got this, uh, this idea of now, you know, near the beginning of any long and difficult journey, uh, such as the one is, you know, the sun is taking, um, there's a temptation in, in the olden days, a belief, a temptation to be lazy. Yeah. So it's like, why should the sun like embark on such a long, difficult journey of climbing higher and higher into the sky each day and, and, and all these ideas. So, um, you know, that I found interesting. And then there's a correlation with this temptation to give into the forces of darkness mm-hmm. um, and the resistance to that temptation, you know, which is why you kind of have this idea of, uh, you know, of essentially Jesus encountering out in the desert, Satan and being tempted, mm-hmm. right? He's tempted to leave his, his, his journey. And, uh, you know, Satan, who's the adversary or the darkness, um, you know, offers him this, 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 uh, this alternative to, to going on with his mission. Mm. Um, but Jesus decides that he's not going to do that. He's going to do the right thing. He's going to push on. So the son leaves Aquarius and then Aquarius is figuratively put in the prison. And if you remember the story, right. Um, after Jesus visits John, the Baptist, Baptist, um, John the Baptist gets put into prison mm. and then Jesus went to, to Galilee. Mm. So, uh, you know, for whatever, you know, G, you know, John the Baptist gets thrown in prison and Jesus is like, ah, no big deal. I got stuff to do. So he leaves. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And he, you know, so, yeah. he goes on his merry way, you know? Um, so you kind of start to see this, this, this story play out and really start to make some sense in terms of where it's going. Mm. Um, and, you know, so now he decides that he's on his way to, uh, to Galilee. Um, and I guess maybe, maybe this is a good time to just kind of point out the procession of the equinoxes really quick, right? So yes. as we watch the Zodiac kind of move clockwise, if we're observing long-term like the Mayans did, 
Um, the precession of the equinoxes, which moves backwards in 2,150 year cycles. Yep. Um, and if you go back and you kind of look at that, you see another solar kind of astrological metaphor mm. um, where you have uh, the Old Testament starting um, in the days of, uh, uh, you know, if you go back and you look at the Moses story, right? Yep. And you look at that real closely you see that there's uh, it takes place in the age of Taurus. So this mm -hmm. is like 4,300 BC to 2150 BC. And mm -hmm. Moses comes down from Mount Sinai and he finds the Israelites worshiping a false idol, uh, sometimes described as a golden calf or a golden bull. bull yeah. um, and it's the bull because it's Taurus. So yeah. the Israelites are worshiping the age of Taurus. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Moses brings the law in from, in the form of the 10 commandments and ushers in the new age of Aries, yep. which is 2150 to 1 AD. Mm -hmm. Interesting to note, there is no 0 AD or 0 BC because the solar year and the solar calendar has to account for those leap years. Yes. So they do it all at once. Yeah. Um, so you've got the age of Aries ushered in by Moses' Ten Commandments, uh, which is the age of the ram, which is why the Israelites are said to blow the ram's horn. That's right. Yeah. Um, yep. Mithra, he killed the bull to usher in the new age. Yeah. And yeah, it, and it's also, it's also, you go back to those, uh, those times, a lot of the, a lot of the pagan symbology from all around the world is actually related to bull as well. Right. There's all this, right. you know, right. it's, it's not just all these cultures were worshiping that Taurus, that bull, you know, there's a lot of, there's so much yeah. symbology. That the Minotaur, right? Yeah. The, the Minotaur, Minotaur, exactly. Yeah. 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 Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. And what you find is Moses is this, uh, he's in a long line of lawgivers, um, which I found to be really interesting. So if you look at Moses's story, and if you look at the first emperor of Mesopotamia, so arguably the first emperor in general, mm -hmm. you've got Sargon of Akkad. And yes. you find that Sargon's story is the exact same story as Moses. He was yeah. like, uh, uh, he they had he had to avoid infanticide, so he was put in a reed basket and found mm -hmm. by royals, and then uh, he was you know raised by royalty, and he eventually brought you know these uh, these laws as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really interesting when you look at the names of the lawgivers. You've got uh, Manu of India, uh, Minos of Crete, Mises of Egypt, and then Moses of Israel. So you got Manu, Minos, Mises, all the same. All the same. Right, yep. right. Yep. Um, and, you know, if you go back and you look at the Ten Commandments and you take a good look at the Egyptian Book of the Dead, you realize that a lot of these commandments were laws that were handed down by the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Yes. yes. So, you know, more proof, in my opinion, that the Egyptian religion is a precursor to Judaism and Christianity, Islam, is. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. I think when you find the, the Ten Commandments, what I also, is the rules are the rules, Dan. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter what the religion is. doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what, you know, color, creed, religion, doesn't matter. The rules are the rules, right? Yeah. You know, treat everyone as the golden rule is always the golden rule. Treat others how you wish to be treated. It doesn't yeah. matter what religion it is. It doesn't matter how many thousands of millennia you go back. That's the rule, right? And, it, and it's just yeah. a, uh, yeah, you, you could almost begin to ask the question whether or not this is a, uh, a universal story that's being yep. passed down from, from generation to generation. And I think maybe we've lost the, lost the true meaning of the story because we've given it, it's turned into a, a control mechanism. However, 
Yep. You know, I think, yeah, be decent. You know, make sure you honor the sun. Make sure you pay attention to the sky. You know, the, all these things, this is all part of that, as I see, that universal religion, I think, that once existed, that governed our existence globally, not just, you know, section to section. Um, and, yeah, but it's, uh, as with all things, the, the human takes it and manipulates it and changes it. However, there's a purity to the story, I think, uh, which, yeah. which echoes through the time. No, I, I agree with you, man. And, uh, you know, it's this procession of the equinoxes, these, you know, these ages are pretty clear. And like you were saying, you know, the next age after, uh, you know, after uh, uh, the Aries is the age of Pisces, right? Yep. So you've got Pisces, the age of Pisces from 1 AD to 2150 mm-hmm. AD. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 1 AD is obviously Jesus's supposed birth year. Yep. And, you know, Jesus said, he said, I will be with you until the end of the world, except that world is a mistranslation. And the word is actually aeon, which translates to age. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was being very literal and saying that I will be with you until the end of the age, Mm. which is 2150. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. like you were saying, the symbolism of Pisces is all over the place in the New Testament. You have fishermen, you have yep. him, you know, feeding everyone with fish. It's, you know, so this is a very well, I mean, clear in terms of that. You, you, we see it down here as well, like cars that are religious, they have the little fish emblem on the back of their car. You know what I mean? They've of got course. the little sticker, right? It's yep. still to today, right? And the people Yeah, don't and where see did that the, come from, right? Exactly. You yeah. know, and, and I think one of the, you know, we talk about the procession of the equinox, not only, yeah, we're coming to an end of a few different cycles during our lifetime, Dan, you know, like, and I think that's one of them, you know, like we are at the, you know, we're coming back around to, to the end of the, the light, the the last great cycle, you know, I mean, you talk about, you want to expand the procession of equinox a lot further than that. Uh, You know, 12,800 years ago, that's when the cataclysm happened, which is what half a cycle of the equinox ago, so yeah. we are we are coming back around to the top of the cycle, you know, like it's, it, and that would be deemed to be something very important to these ancient people. They, Absolutely, they they keep an eye on that stuff. Like it's, yeah. There's many yeah, the mind calendar. We're coming to the end of the mind. You talk about the mind calendar and the sun disk and all that sort of stuff, right? They're very very accurate. And you know, and yes, mm-hmm. they they say that this period you know, 1960 to 2040 or whatever it is, I think they worked it out to be, is the end of the cycle. That's it. We're we're, we're coming to the end of all the cycles um, that the ages laid out for us, you know? Yep. And there's a lot of debate. You know, some people say 2040, some people say 2150 is the age of Aquarius. Yeah. But there's some people say 2012 was the beginning of the age of Aquarius. So Mm. there's a lot of it's all based, you know, there's that's a little loose. But, Mm. you know, when you're talking about the disasters, I mean, you know, if you look at Noah's flood in the Bible and then you go back to the Epic of Gilgamesh, well, you have the exact same story being told pre-Christian, you know, in Sumerian culture. Right. So. It's the same. It's the same damn story, just being recycled and being passed on, so that well, even know, the, people can kind of learn. From even it. the Mayan culture, you know what I mean? They say that you know, a massive flood came from the north and destroyed them. You know, that's it's the same yeah. flood myth. You know, like the yeah. the rainbow serpent here in Australia. This is the you know, this is the indigenous Australians talking about a flood myth. You know, I mean that's and that's potentially the oldest culture on the planet, and they have a flood myth. Every every yep. 
every major uh, culture has a flood myth. Every major culture has this rebirth, has this, right. um, you know, the, the one that I like to always point out is that God's always a bearded man. Right? Have you ever thought about that? Right? What yeah. Zeus? Zeus is a bearded man. You know, yeah. th- name it. Apollo. Name. It. You know, even again in indigenous culture down here, a wise man is said to be a a, a tall bearded man. Like everything. You yeah. know, what does what does that mean? Does that mean the bearded man came across the ocean and told us what was going on, and we then deified that person after the cataclysm? Like it's interesting. Like it's all the connections are all there. They're all there and they all, and they all come back together. Uh, and yeah, I think, yeah, you talk about the Egyptians, you talk about Sumerians, you could say what came first, the chicken or the egg. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who, who influenced who, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. an interesting question. Um, well, all right. So to go back to this before I get too far off. Uh, so, you know, if we go back and we think about the yearly procession and, yep. you know, we move out of Aquarius, we move, coincidentally into Pisces. So mm-hmm. now we're not talking about the 26,000 procession years. No, we procession. Just, we, we, now we're we, just talking about the one year. So yep. you move into Pisces and you look at the Jesus story and you see that he, you know, he meets the fishermen, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Simon and Peter. And, you know, then you have all of these very, uh, you know, themes again. So it's like, you can see how these ideas are unfolding in both kind of areas, you know, Mm. which I find to be super interesting because they're going, you know, they're, it's showing you. So it's showing you this story to where it just keeps taking you through, you know, and then after Pisces, you know, the sun enters Aries, the Ram and the traditional date of this is the vernal equinox, March 21st. And, um, you know, kind of interesting because, you know, sin means a deviation from the way things ought to be. And the sin of the earth was that it was cold and dark during autumn and winter. And we would prefer it to be warm and light, you know? So uh, when you get into Aries, you get into the lamb. And this is where, you know, we think of all these, you know, uh, religious leaders, you know, beyond Jesus that were called the lamb of God, or, Mm -hmm. you know, and you find all these pictures of Jesus with a lamb draped over him and, Yep. Uh, and all these different things, which are really interesting. Um, but, you know, so you, you're kind of getting this story and it just keeps going. And then, you know, Easter, which has the word East in it, uh, you know, is what we celebrate when Jesus is risen from the grave. And we're celebrating the, uh, you know, the first full moon after the vernal equinox Yep. Um, with the rebirth of the sun and the sun overpowering the cold and the darkness of winter and Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, this, this symbolism gets real obvious, you know, which you guys are going um, through right now, aren't you? I mean, you guys are coming yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're, we're right there right now. You well, know, see, and it's the, the thing it's, it's the opposite for me. Right. So I'm, things right. are getting, you know, the last few weeks, the weather has turned, you know, right. The days are getting shorter. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting today in a flannel cause it's, it's still, it's cool enough for me to sit here in long sleeves you know, so it's interesting. And what we find down here, you know, obviously the Americanization of the global society is, is something. Uh, however, you know, for those of us that observe the old ways down here, we've got to do it all backwards, right? Because it, our winter solstice is June 21st, right? Uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to that's your summer solstice, right? Yeah. Um, so that's our shortest day of the year, your, your longest day of the year. And then it reverses itself uh in uh in december so 
we still do observe that. You know, we had uh, we've had a few solstice, winter solstice celebrations down here and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff because um, of the old ways. However, yeah, it's fascinating that you've got to, and people don't. It's it, you find out how much esoteric knowledge people have, right? Because they they uh, they're celebrating the solstice in June in Australia, but they're doing the the summer solstice celebrations. Like, well, obviously you don't have esoteric uh, that much knowledge. You're just grabbing onto it because it's not right. We're right. doing the winter solstice here. It's not the summer solstice, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, ob- observing all those things is uh, is interesting. So we're so what Pisces? Where are we? So we go. Pisces, so, and he goes into the Lamb of God. And I'm trying to think about where, where it goes. It's interesting. Yeah. So if we kind of look at that springtime, right, it's kind of the end of the stormy weather. And, uh, you know, in Matthew, you know, you have this story of Jesus calming the storm, right? So the sun, you know, he, he calms the storm. And then, and then you start moving into Taurus after that, mm-hmm. uh, um, and, you know, we've already talked about the bull being worshipped and, you know, all these same ideas come up again. Mm. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, there are no bulls in the Gospels per se, but there's also, you know, not any crabs or, or scorpions either. But uh, you do find those ideas in Revelations, which I think is interesting. And, and there's a whole nother bit about Revelations that we can get into as well, where that becomes a an astrological metaphor also, you know. But the, um, if, correct me if I'm wrong, the revelations weren't written until much later though. Look, I mean, this is all being written retrospectively as well, isn't it? Like 70 years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're not clear, you know, I mean, there's so much debate around the Gospels and who wrote them. And, you know, so, I mean, there's so many mysteries hidden there, you know, to, to where if you were creating a story to control people you know you would want that all to be murky and not understood very well and yeah you know the the catholic church has firm beliefs that it was this person or that person but um you know when you look back as from a history perspective you don't really get a clear answer no it's 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 another it's 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 like the rest of it dan you you dig into it and it's made on a bed of sand it's no there's no real substance to it apart from just believe me that's it this is what it is but why no 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 no. don't ask why it just is Right. You know? Yeah. Yep. And I mean, you know, and so as we keep kind of following this story and putting in perspective of the Jesus story, you know, we get to the next part is we get to the, the head of Aquarius where uh, uh, essentially John the Baptist is beheaded. Right. So yeah. if we follow the Jesus story, we come to the heading uh, and John the Bapti- Baptist is like our personification of Aquarius as we've already established. And mm-hmm. And then Herod, you know, beheads him. Uh, and Herod is, uh, you know, represented in this as the personification of night and evil mm-hmm. uh, and the cold, that the darkness and all of these things, you know. So um, it's interesting because what we do see from a, you know, astronomical perspective is that the head of Aquarius rises from below the eastern horizon mm-hmm. in this next phase, mm-hmm. right? So it appears that it's beheaded by the horizon. Um, so this story again, stays consistently into the narrative, you know? Mm. Um, and then after the, you get through that story with Jesus, I think the next one of importance in Matthew is, uh, about Jesus walking on water. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's interesting because after you move out from, so you've got the head of, you know, the beheading of Aquarius and then you've got, uh, uh, you know, 
you've got the Milky Way that starts to come come through right after Taurus the Bull. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with that starry band, right? That like uh, that lake of the night sky. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's around May 20th, I, uh, I think, like kind of May, June. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a sense, you argue that the sun, right, is if you're observing it is in uh, is uh, set against the Milky Way. So you have the sun walking on water yeah, um, in okay. the story. Right. Okay. So, okay. yeah. It's like, it's, you know, you just keep going with this. And, you know, the next thing you bump into is this summer solstice. So, you know, you've got the sun uh, starts to reach its highest point. And, you know, in the Jesus story in Matthew, we find the transfiguration of Jesus, mm. where, you know, he is said to, uh, to ascend the mountaintop and he meets Moses and Elijah. Um, and then he returns and he's, he's glowing, his skin is glowing because he's been transfigured. And, um, you know, it's this really powerful imagery um, that seems to kind of, you know, speak to the sun shining at its highest, right? Yeah. In the, uh, in in the kind of story. Um, And so it just keeps staying consistent all the way through it. Um, You know, and then you hit summertime and, interesting thing about the summertime metaphor is you've got the, if you look back to the Babylonian Zodiac, Mm -hmm. you find the sign for the house of cancer was an ass and a pole, right? So two bright stars in the constellation of cancer, which still bear the names are the Northern ass and the Southern ass. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we didn't even get to the Babylonians. I forgot about the Babylonians. (laughs) Yeah. But that, again, that, that ties in this part because when when Jesus arrives uh, in Jerusalem, he's said to be riding an ass and a colt. Yes. And if you think about the literalness of this, how the hell does Jesus sit on a donkey, you know, and a colt simultaneously as he travels, <laughs> right? So it doesn't make any sense literally, but from a, this solar mythology idea, it becomes very figurative and, and very much makes sense based on you know the babylonian zodiac and understanding how that fits in yeah right okay Uh, (laughs) so it just keeps going you know and going and going and going and then you know you you get into after that harvest time right so this gets us back to the house of virgo the virgin yeah Yeah. and uh you know uh the the days have started getting shorter now and Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. you know sometimes virgo is depicted with uh holding an ear of corn instead of wheat right so it's it's very clearly celebrated as the harvest and, and, you know, the mother earth bringing food and, um, wow. There's also some little bit of a kind of the virgin idea of, you know, instead of being a feminine, she, she's almost like a sexless kind of it, um, in the kind of, when you read through some of the more traditional stuff. Um, and you know, that leads us into the scales of justice, which is the, the sun moving from Virgo into Libra. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, when Jesus entered the temple area and drove out the money changers, you know, the, the way you can read into that from a historical perspective was that essentially the, the, the money collectors were in the temple because it was the harvest money that they were trading. Right. So, 
when he essentially chases them out, really what the solar metaphor is saying is that uh, basically the money changers made all their transactions uh, because they were done selling the harvest and then moved on. Yeah, right, um, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the sun chased out the money changers is the, uh, is the metaphor in this idea. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you think about all the, all the holidays, right, we, we give Thanksgiving that here in America, Mm-hmm. Um, which is a celebration of the harvest. And, mm-hmm. and this is really rooted in pagan religion, this celebration of being able to celebrate what you've brought in and what you've grown. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so it, it keeps staying pretty consistent. And then, you know, in late October, you get into Scorpio. And, you know, interestingly enough, this gets into a little bit of Arabic uh, where you've got El Akrab. Uh, which means uh, it's uh, wounding him that cometh, um, interestingly enough. Uh, and then you've got the scorpion figuratively stinging the sun, the yep. way it looks uh, yep. with the constellations, um, which you can make then, you know, a pretty easy, uh, uh, easy leap over to the, the story of the betrayal by Judas, yeah, uh, okay. one of the 12 yep. disciples. Yep. So, you know, interestingly enough, too, is you've got, uh, if you go back to Egyptian religion, um, I think Horus was also betrayed, um, if I'm getting this one right, um, by yeah, Judah, not Judas. Yeah, Judah, um, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think yeah, right. there's, there's, there's a core. I might be getting this a little bit wrong, but I know there's a correlation there. Um, that kind of this, uh, you know, and, and the, the cool thing that when you think about this, um, everybody, if you're following the Jesus story and Jesus is preaching and he's stirring up all these problems, um, everybody should know who Jesus is. But according to scripture, you know, uh, Pilate has to basically bribe Judas to tell him who Jesus is. You know, right. like he can't figure out it's the guy talking to thousands of people, I guess, you know. So but you, it's you, kind you of a saying, weird little part. Yeah, you were saying earlier, though, that, you know, in your... I like the way I know I'm, I'm picking up how you do your research and you don't leave any stone unturned. There's no record of anyone talking to thousands of people though, is there? This is, this is what no. was, yeah. No, there's not. Yeah. Yeah. No, you would, you would think, you would think if he, you know, someone would write something down about a guy who drew thousands of people to him and, you know, was performing miracles and doing this and doing that, but there is not a lot of actual record of, of him ever, doing any of these things in a, in a literal right. sense. Right. Well, so the argument then in this is that you've got Pontius Pilate, who's going to represent Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, oh, and yeah, to your point, if you look back at Judas as well, there's a lot of contradictory stories um, in Matthew and Acts. And because in one of them, I think they say that, uh, Judas returns the money and he hangs himself. Uh, and then there's another one that says he uses the money to buy a field and then he falls and dies of an accident. Right. Um, so you have these two contradictory stories, excuse me, that don't, you know, so it's really kind of unclear well, what did happen to Judas. And then you have all these people trying to explain why it's not clear through Christianity mm. and you never get like a thorough. So I think, you know, this kind of murkiness of it raises the question of, okay, what exactly, what exactly was the point of this Judas story and, and, and all of that, you know? So, um, you know, then you've got, like I said, Pontius Pilate uh, putting uh, 
Jesus to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that gets us all the way back to the beginning of the Zodiac where the, you know, we, we've already talked about this kind of solar metaphor yeah. um, a little bit, but like now's the time I think to probably just jump right into that bad boy because um, you have something really interesting that, uh, that happens um, in this time of year. So uh, after the, the, the summer solstice occurs, if you're again, observing from the Holy Land at this time, mm-hmm. then what you see is uh, essentially uh, the sun, which moves uh, lower and lower and lower down. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, after the 21st, if you're observing on the horizon, the sun actually dips down below the horizon on the 22nd of December. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you've been watching the sun go lower and lower all year long, now you get to this day where you, you can't see it anymore. And it stays that way for three days. So the the 22nd, the 23rd, and the 24th, it's below the horizon where we can't see it. Mm -hmm. And then the miracle is on the 25th when the sun shifts one degree north upward and then can just barely be seen by the naked eye on the horizon. And the sun is therefore reborn. Mm -hmm. So you've got this very clear metaphor and they're explaining the death and, and rebirth of the sun. And then you've got your complete one year cycle all the way around the Zodiac uh, and beyond, uh, you know, and it just keeps going again and again. So, wow. yeah, it, you know, this really blew my mind, you know, in terms of if you, if you ask scientists, you know, again, going back to what I said before about religion, they're, you know, they're going to tell you it, it's a representative of all these things, but, you know, I just took you through the Zodiac piece by piece for the Jesus story that mm. utilizes all the details that all of these religious figures uh, share. Um, and so for me, it, it, it tells the story of, okay, this is, this is a mechanism that's been used to share information. And then during the council of Nicaea, it was decided that they were going to take this mythology and turn it into a political control mechanism, as you were saying before. And I think that's where we really take the story of Jesus and run. And from that point, you have the Dark Ages, the Crusades, the Inquisition. I mean, you just have just this horrible time period of death and destruction and mayhem. All in the name of God. It makes me wonder. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's what a sin because... You look back and, you know, I alluded to this a little bit, but, you know, I I had a very profound mystical experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I know that a lot of, you know, like uh, a lot of people, I'm not claiming to be special. I I think that a lot of people have these experiences in ways, you know, different shapes and forms. And, Mm -hmm. you know, born again Christians have an experience they can't process. So they call it a mystical experience and, and they find Jesus because of it. And yeah. If you go through all the books and all the prophecies, it's always someone has an experience they can't process. Mm. And then they try to describe it. And they're so excited about what they've experienced that they're going around telling everybody about it. And they're preaching the word. Yes. Yes. And so you have this consistent belief of 
of this experience with the divine and then it impacting you in a huge way. And if you go back to the mysteries, the mysteries were doing exactly this. They were telling us that, uh, you know, whether it be a psychedelic experience or, you know, the secret societies have all sorts of experiences and initiations that involve Absolutely. hallucinogens. Yes. Um, to invoke that experience, to invoke yes, that experience. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, and if you think, um, yeah, I was sort of, I, I, I had two, right? So I, I, uh, I, so when I did DMT the first time, uh, that definitely showed me the way out of where I was at. Uh, and mm. I've always said that, you know, my DMT experience is the reason I'm sitting here today. You know, because it yeah. showed, it showed me through. And if you think about it, it was almost like it wasn't light, it wasn't, but it was like love. It was, but it, you feel like it was light, right? I was shown mm -hmm. the universal love that was possible, right? And that, uh, yeah. that then set me free and, and allowed me to be who I needed to be. And then when I nearly died in 2013, that was very profound. I came out of that and I'm like, okay, well, what am I doing with myself now? You know, what is my legacy? What is, what am I actually doing here? And here we are. You're you're part of that, right? You know, this yeah. is the this is your second episode on my. This is my legacy. This is what I'm doing. You know, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you're right. You you do want to spread the word. You do want to, you know, this this was an amazing experience. And and for those people that haven't had that, I suppose they they try and latch onto that, don't they? You know, and I think they yeah. they just found the right mechanism to make everybody latch onto it, I suppose. And then then they externalize it. Oh no, you can't have it. Um, you know, you can't you can't achieve it, but we can we you can try to achieve it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I I heard a um, I'd I'd forgotten that the printing press created the Thirty Years War. You know, like that was, yeah. you know, and that's this is what mm. this is. Oh, sorry, this is part of what we're talking about here, isn't it? It's like externalizing Absolutely. the God self. Um, now you can be the story. You don't need this priest or whatever uh to translate for you you can read it yourself and then you can be part of the the, the story uh yeah it's crazy man i'd never heard about it. that's really interesting so you're saying that the and fairly easy to map out that the the story that year-long story of jesus is basically a trip through the zodiac uh and absolutely man absolutely wow. And, you know, there's a couple other details we didn't quite get to. Um, like, for instance, the Star of the East and, uh, and the Three Kings. Yeah. Like, so this is important to understand. So um, the Star of the East is serious. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so uh, on December 25th, what happens is Sirius uh, lines up essentially with uh, Orion's belt Mm -hmm. uh, which are, you know, those three stars are often called the three magi or the three kings. Yep. Yep. So you have the three magi and then you have the, the star in the East Sirius lining up to point directly at the sunrise on December 25th. Yeah. So that's why we, we keep hearing in these, these stories of these religious icons of the three magi following the star in the East to uh, the birth of the okay. savior, yeah. right? So it's very clear. I mean, these are astronomical phenomena that can't be debated. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you have this alignment pointing to the sunrise 
And, you know, boom, that's, that's explained, you know. Isn't there something to do with the gifts as well, like the myrrh and the frankincense and the, what's the frankincense, the myrrh and what else? I can't remember the last one, but is there, yes. there's, there's symbology behind all those as well, isn't there? Like the, the, with the yes. rebirth and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. And those become a little more traditional in terms of, you know, Christians explaining that and using that, but mm. The idea of these three magi is definitely rooted in this alignment between Orion's belt and Sirius. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because that's something that people would notice in that time of year if they were, you know, staring up into the sky observing, um, which I just find to be totally, you know, really, really interesting. That's very interesting, mate. It's very, what was the earliest incarnation you found of this story? Was it, was it the Egyptian or was it the Sumerian or where, where, how far back did it go? it, it, it's, 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 in, it's everywhere as far as I can tell. Um, I don't, I see a lot of similarities in, in the Sumerian myth, but uh, really it pops off in Egypt, you know, I yeah. think, and, you know, I'll be honest with you, I've, you know, I've been studying and researching these mysteries for as far back as I can remember. And um, I happen to have a really, uh, I've worked in restaurants my whole life and, uh, I worked at a restaurant uh, in the Chicago area and there was a priest who was very kind of high up. He was, uh, you know, kind of high up in the, in the Catholic faith. And I got to know him really well over time. And uh, it was interesting because it was during that time that I was in college and I was taking a comparative religious studies class. Yeah. And my teacher uh, made a point. She never wanted to tell anyone what her religion was. Mm -hmm. So she, you know, and she always said, I'm not going to tell you I am religious. I'm not going to tell you what my religion is because I don't want it to influence what we're talking about mm -hmm. in this, uh, you know, in the class. And then at the very end of class one day, she said, all right, anybody who's interested in, in knowing about what religion I am, you know, this was the last day. She said, you can stay after class and we'll talk about it. And I was super, super curious because she was a really interesting woman and had a lot of great takes. Yeah. And so, you know, I was like, oh, I'm there. And it was like me and like two other people that were just trying to get A's, I think, you know. <laughs> and uh, and so I was like, all right, I want to know, you know. And she started talking about it. And she explained that she was a member of the Church of Isis. And she even went on to explain how the Church of Isis and the Temple of Isis religion um, is the foundation for all these modern religions. And it was funny because it wasn't until later that I remembered this story mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's right. She said that. And so, you know, I started kind of poking around, but what really uh, jumped out at me was again, the story of this priest, right? So he used to come into this restaurant that I was working at yeah. and we got to know each other and we talked a lot and eventually he got real comfortable with me. And, and, you know, again, I was at that phase where I was just reading nothing but you know, esoteric philosophy. And I was asking him questions and kind of getting a feed on him. And mm. he admitted to me uh, in, you know, in privacy, I mean, I'm not saying his name, so I think I'll be okay to admit it, but yeah. you know, he admitted to me that he also was a member of the temple of Isis. Wow. And uh, you know um, he kind of described it like, you know, kind of like a Freemasonry thing, kind of mm -hmm. like this, this club, but you know, this, uh, this temple is uh, rooted in Rosicrucianism and yep, yep. esoteric philosophy. So here you have a, a prominent Catholic priest who's the head of a university um, admitting to me that he, uh, you know, that he is a member of the Temple of Isis. So, you know, at the time, I didn't really understand all that. I just found it to be interesting. And then 
later on, I'm, I'm starting to really think about all these things. And I start to see like, wait a minute, these, this is no coincidence, you know, no, this is, definitely not. you know, this guy, uh, this guy admitted to me and this teacher admitted to me that they were, you know, unrelated to each other and both in my life at the time. Mm. And they, you know, they were members of this, this old religion mm-hmm. that was rooted in a religion based on my research um, that's been unnamed. And so when you're researching this thing, uh, the deeper you go, the more you just fall into things that are like the unnamed religion. I've, I've heard of, uh, I found some references um, called the religion of the Magi. Yes. The Magi, which I yeah. found was interesting because yeah. of the Orion belt correlation. Yeah. But uh, you know, I get, I think it goes back to our conversation we were having before and back to the point of unlocking the code, mm. which is as we're trying to understand these civilizations that existed that shared all this knowledge and passed it down, mm. you know, we end up uh, kind of, you know, asking these big questions. Who was the civilization? Clearly, they taught uh, a story yeah. that got retold again and again and again, again and again eventually and again, yeah. used for political gain. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, that's right. And if you and if you think it's buried within yeah, you've blown my mind. I'd never, I'd never thought about it like that. Thank you very much. Uh, it's everything I thought it would be, Dan. Thank you. And it adds another layer, you know, and you're right. You know, the purpose of unlocking the code, like it already occurred to me that there was, you know, these echoes continue to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have said to you literally a week ago, that Italy as polygonal masonry all over Italy. It's like, hey, what? What do you mean there's polygonal masonry all over Italy? But there is, yeah. okay? Yeah. Um, which provides us with another echo. Mm. And then all you've done today is you've taken the most common story that we know and put it through the astrological cycle that we all know, that no one knows where it started from, you know, like you said, mm. beginning of time stuff. But then you think about, Okay, because, you know, that's the discussion we always have. It's like, yeah, cool, they put, put stones in a circle. How did they know what a circle was? Mm-hmm. Well, they were relating a story back to the stars. That's, you know, in order to, in order to have this story of harvest and, and growth and rebirth and death, and they had to observe the stars. In order to observe the stars, they had to come up with the mathematic principles on how to, you know, build these temples to make them align and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, I really think it is another more growing evidence of this this civilization this this mm-hmm. this where science and spirituality were one without um oh, i'm gonna say not precedence without um i'm trying to find the word without the control that's on it now right i think everybody again cultural differences depending on where you were on the planet obviously however it seems to be it was an accepted method of teaching, doesn't it? You know, like how is it that we find, like I said, the medicine wheel or the start, the the sun cross or whichever way you want to put it was, you know, if look, if that Stonehenge here down, down under was still existing, it had predate uh, the Stonehenge in England by thousands and thousands of years. And the key at both ends of that stone arrangement was the sun cross or the medicine wheel or that alchemical symbol or the Coptic cross or whichever way you want to go, you know, like Mm -hmm. the echoes through time 
just are getting louder and louder, you know, and I, and I sincerely hope that, you know, through guys like yourself doing your research and everything else like that, that we're, we seem to be, it's like we're circling, right? But we're getting closer. We're getting closer into that inner, inner circle as to the, as to the why, you know, I, I don't know whether the who matters much anymore. I think it was a, it was a global understanding, mm-hmm. but it's more about what if we could take that story and make it instead of having the control that it is now, seeing that story for what it is and understanding that it is the, it's the, it's the human representation. You know, it is like we started this conversation. It is the eternal story. It is the, the light versus the dark. It's the, it's, it's the, you know, making sure we can, can sustain our existence, but more than that, it's about understanding that the light and dark exist within you. It's about the God self. It's about, Absolutely. It all comes together, man. It's all the same. It's so fascinating, mate. It's so fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, the, obviously, I feel like, you know, my, my pursuit for understanding is running parallel to yours, whereas I'm looking at, you know, really focused on the esoteric philosophy. You're really focused on, you know, the architecture. Mm. Um, one thing that I want to kind of throw out there, and, and hopefully, you know, maybe some of your listeners are... I would love any answers to this that anybody can come up with and, you know, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on Instagram if you do. But the one thing that I keep finding fascinating is, is the sixth century, the sixth century just keeps coming up again and again and again. And, you know, I talked about earlier, for some reason, modern astrology is rooted in where the stars were in the sixth century. And Mm -hmm. we identify with astrology based on that time, Mm -hmm. but you also had all over the world, you suddenly had this explosion happening where you had uh, Lao Tzu started teaching, Confucius started teaching, mm-hmm. the Buddhists started teaching, Pythagoras was teaching. Um, you had uh, the Christian prophets. Uh, I, uh, I want to say it was maybe uh, uh, Josiah and maybe uh, there was anyway, there was Christian prophets that were teaching during this time. Mm-hmm. And so there's this major consciousness shift mm-hmm. that occurs in humanity in the sixth century is that and i can't yeah. figure it out man. is that coming out of the dark age or is that where's that where does that sit i'm trying yeah to... it leads to it leads to the enlightenment as long term i mean it's mm-hmm. way off but i feel like there's there's something that happened where you know who is knows a, yeah, maybe the group word? came out and said it's time to start you know moving the message along right because yeah, everything was very primitive before that it's interesting. Like there seems to be a, like, yeah, again, our hubris tells us we're so confident of the timeline, but there's massive gaps in the timeline. You know, there's, there's yeah. A, yeah. like, we don't have, there's a 400 period, 400 year period of the dark ages there, but we've got no idea what happened. No yeah. one knows, right? No one yeah. knows. It was the dark ages. We don't know who, what, where, when anything was going on. No one really knows, you know, there's, yeah. Cause I thought it was sixth century, but it's not, because the the Masons, um, the Masons say like it's six thousand twenty two now for the Masons, right? In the Masonic calendar, it okay. is the year six thousand twenty two. So well, I my, wasn't aware of that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. My question is, what happened for you know four thousand BC? Okay. Um, they, but you know, I've spoken to some Egyptologists about that. You know, what happened at four thousand BC? No one, no one seems to know. Yet the Masons mark that as their zero date. So it's like, well, that can't be true. Something obviously went down there. I think there's, there's these, 
periods in history where we get an uptick of uh, knowledge, we get an uptick of understanding. Uh, and yeah, these questions and these explorations, you know, as you say, that led to the Enlightenment. But yeah, 600, yeah, 600. Uh, so we're saying BC, 600 BC or just 600? Yeah. BC? Yeah. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. BC. Yeah. 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 So, it, but what's really blowing my mind though is to think about this. So if you think of the impact of the on culture oh, no. of sixth century Pythagoras, AD. Lao Tzu, yeah, AD, yeah, 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 yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. So when you think about the, uh, no, you're right, yeah, it's, it's AD, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, but when you think about the impact of like, okay, Lao Tzu, Confuci Confucius, Buddha, Pythagoras, mm. like these were major shifts in human consciousness. Absolutely, big uptick in consciousness, yeah. Huge, man huge and so it's like what drove that like how did mm, that how was this happening all over the world at the mm. same time where these religions were really getting solidified and popped up and mm. this mm. story was being hammered out and mm. you know so it's it's really fascinating i think there's some answers there if we can somehow someday figure out what happened then and why that was so important but we just we just um, we just add that date to the when we when we can get the the, the, the delorean to work mate we just add 600 AD to that date, we go and pop back yep. then and see what's going yep. on. Yeah. So then, what else? Uh, what, else, what else have you got for us, mate? Because uh, being aware of your time and my time, what else have you got for us to to begin to? Oh, the Eye of Horus. Oh yes, the old uh, pineal gland. Yes, sir. Appar um, apparently, apparently, recently, I don't know, did I post it on the page? Apparently, they found physoelectric crystals in minute. Uh, um, amounts inside the pineal gland, which means it is actually truly a receiver. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, I wanted to pull this slide up because, um, you know, obviously you've got, you know, the symbol of the Illuminati, um, mm -hmm. which uh, the Bavarian Illuminati, we know merged with the Freemason Lodge. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just, this imagery I think was important because, this all seeing eye as something that's permeated all culture since yes, the beginning. And, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've got down on the bottom left, you've got, you know, the eye that you pointed out behind you, mm -hmm. the eye of Horus, uh, or I'm sorry, Ra. And mm -hmm. then uh, you've got. Well, no, well, if I move the camera, the eye of Horus is above the bookcase. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, but if you look at this imagery, you see that this idea of the pyramid, the eye, this is all associated. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, from American money all the way back to, you know, Egyptian uh, understanding. And um, you really see these ideas uh, where this symbolism is all interconnected. And we have to ask who's been telling these stories and connecting these things for so long. And you know, it's, it's funny. Um, my, my friend pointed out how much uh, Masonic imagery was uh, present at, you know, not only the American Super Bowl, but uh, the Oscars, you know, and which was uh, talked about, you know, of course, for Will Smith, yeah. uh, smacking Chris Rock um, uh, for whatever that was about. But, uh, you know, the imagery has always been laced in there and, uh, Oh, Once you start to notice it, you can't unsee it. Man. You can't, you can't unsee it, you know. And you talk about the eye of Horus being a pretty much a spitting image of the pineal gland as a, as a cross section. I mean, how do you even begin yeah. to understand that? Uh, and yeah, the, look, the Masonic symbology. And again, I think we may have another. You take the Masons. I think 
the Masons are the echo of the builder culture. However, at the same time, they take they took something that was pretty pure, I think, and they've manipulated it for their own control and gain. And the symbology that you see, I mean, again, that's in the triptych architecture of all the cathedrals and stuff like that. Like, um, I don't know, I don't know if you have you started to look at your cathedrals in your hometown and start to see the Masonic symbols and the pagan symbology buried in those churches. Go and have a look at that. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Uh, and when we talk about symbols. It's more than Masonic, right? There seems to be, I think there's 32 symbols that are not only found in rock art dating back, you know, to the Lascaux, dating back to stuff found in Arnhem Land, but echo around the globe. Every single continent, every single mm-hmm. culture has one or more or all of these symbols woven into it right and then those symbols again if you look at the masonic stuff they've taken a more detailed version of that symbol and use that in their own architecture in their own doctrine in their own philosophy and there's Mm -hmm. these things that echo again they just continue to echo throughout time that the the layman doesn't even know what they're looking at right it's like um and it's and like you just said it's hard once you've seen it is hard to unsee right and i think you know we are you know we we want to talk about cycles you know that you talk about the yugas and obviously we are we are now in the the kali yuga the time of chaos which Mm -hmm. is quite clear to people who can see um and but there's a whole heap of symbology that comes with that if you start looking into that and that symbology has been echoed and echoed and echoed right you know, yeah. the, the, there's nothing new in the zoo, you know, just because we've the amount of people that we've now put on this planet and the way that we've uh, developed it doesn't mean that the ideas and the cycles of time and everything else that, that these people have been looking into for, let's face it, we don't know, Dan, could it be hundreds of thousands of years? It possibly could be like, we have no yeah. idea. We, we, we don't know. Um, and, and they continue to echo. Right. And I think, it's important to, you know, researchers like yourself and myself, and, you know, we know a heap of other people that are doing their own independent research. It's so important to be able to be able to look at these things and point them out so we can gain better understanding. Cause if we don't, we're in trouble, you know, we need to start to, you know, there's a reason that our ancestors look to the sky. There's a reason that our ancestors worship the sun. There's a reason that, you know, they, they monitored the cycles of the sun. They monitored the cycles of the stars. They were, they were mapping these things because it's important, yeah. right? Whereas we, we, you know, as you say, I mean, I wouldn't have even known the Oscars were on if Will Smith didn't, you know, that thing didn't happen. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, that's, the, that's the reality, you know? Like the, we focus <clears throat> and you've got to ask the question, are these grand distractions distracting us from our work like i think you know we we had a bit of a discussion before we turned the mics on it's like how do you uh you've just got to refocus on your work now right you can't Mm -hmm. get caught up we we can't influence what's going on uh however you know the work that we're doing is important this work's important you know people need to know that the 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 story of jesus is is a cycle through the through the um is moving through the uh, oh, bloody, I've lost it. What am I? What am I trying to say? Moving through the uh, 
the star signs. What am I trying to oh, say? The zodiac. The zodiac. The zodiac. Bloody yeah, yeah, zodiac. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, mate. It's nearly time for me to to, to stop. I think I'm 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 fading a little bit. However, yeah. um, yeah. Look, I think when we people need to know that stuff because that gains us better understanding and it makes total sense. But in order to be objective, you've got to remain focused and not distracted by the eternal distractions that seem to be placed in front of us so we don't look deeper right that's the whole point isn't it right if we if we if we don't look deeper into this stuff we're never going to learn what the lessons are and history will repeat itself you know yeah no absolutely man and you know it, it, this, this has been a lot of fun for me and i really enjoyed it it's it's uh it, it's given me an opportunity to have a reason to really enjoy this research and coming on and talking with you and sharing it with you has been cool. And so, you know, one thing I wanted to mention is that uh, uh, I, just for fun, I'm going to throw another podcast into the world. Uh, oh, me yes, and a couple yes, of friends. Yes, are, uh, and yes. I, I talked to you a little bit about this, but uh, we're calling it the 231 gates and we're going to do deep dives into topics like this and cool. compare research. And cool. I would love to have you on at some point. Yeah, uh, please, Mike, please. Which would Absolutely. be super fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. One of the things that, uh, you know, I'm really excited to kind of talk about and really delve deep into is these, you know, this history laid down by the secret societies that's becoming more and more available now to understand mm. is, uh, is all about consciousness and the yes. evolution of consciousness driving life, you know, because right mm -hmm. now we've got, we've got the materialists are winning, right? They, yep. uh, They've convinced us science is the new religion. You're not allowed to ask any questions outside of the doctrine mm -hmm. um, or you'll be persecuted uh, like every other major religion. But, uh, you know, these same forces behind closed doors are teaching this dramatically different version of his human history yes. that's rooted in the evolution of consciousness. That's right. They're teaching, they're teaching the, when you become part of these esoteric cults, I suppose, for want of a better term, Sure. You, you, you are learning about the God self. It's not the, the history that is taught to the generic everyday person is yeah. far from what is being taught. And I think that's, you know, here at Unlocking the Code, that's where we focus on. It's like, no, you, the, it is about consciousness. It's about evolving consciousness. It's about dealing with your issues and your demons and, and finding a way through that and understanding that you have the tools and the, and the, the tips and the tricks within you to do that. You know, and that's mm -hmm. what these things are about. And so, what, what, what were you going to call it, mate? The two, three, the two thirty-one gates. We're we're calling it the two hundred and thirty-one gates, which is a, a concept that comes from the Sefer Yetzirah in a Kabbalah Jewish religion. Okay, yeah, um, I, was gonna, and, I knew that two thirty-one was a Jewish thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you see it, you know, put up as a picture, it's essentially a mandala, and, and mm -hmm. the mandala exists in every culture. It's Absolutely. the flowering of life from yep. the center out around back to the center. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's interesting, you know, not to, I know, I know we're going to get off here, but just to leave oh, with totally this fine, point, um, one of the things that I found really interesting in my study of uh, esoteric uh, secret societies and philosophy is when you start to look at the book of revelation, which we talked a little bit about earlier, mm -hmm. um, they have a belief um, in this and what it represents and what they teach um, I mean, we can't get into it all right now. It's huge. But, but the, the big thing that they teach, which I found to be very interesting as I'm a student of meditation and a student of shamanism, yep. is they, they, they look at the, um, 
you know, I'll, I'll just leave you with this image where they talk about, you know, in Revelation talks about the opening of the seven seals. Yes. And, um, you know, that's been interpreted a hundred different ways. But what the what the secret societies teach is that what this is, is that they're essentially saying that once man becomes aware of the power of human consciousness, both collective and individual, mm-hmm. and they're willing to do the personal work um, to elevate your personal vibration and essentially unlock the seven chakras, which seven is all over every religion everywhere. The seven yeah, ways, yeah. I mean, we could go on and on. Seven seven's one of those magic numbers of the universe, Dan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what they're teaching is that uh, the opening of the seven seals is the opening of the seven chakras. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when collective human consciousness can vibrate high enough to where we're able as a population to open those seven chakras like meditators do and Mm -hmm. yogis and adepts, Mm -hmm. then essentially everything would open up, right? And you would have this post out of the age of chaos into the age of Aquarius. Absolutely. And And so I just found that to be hugely profound. And that's what we're aiming for. You know, I think, uh, yeah, I'm deep in some personal work at the moment to to help me accelerate that process, you know, and I think, and it's interesting, you know, the work never ends, you know, I think when you're on that path, I can only do the work I'm doing now because of the work that I've done before, you know, like I'm, I'm able to delve into that next level. I, it made me, I've got a meme somewhere. I've got a meme problem, right? I don't know, you got a kind of meme issue, but one of the memes I've got saved somewhere, it's like, wait till everyone figures out that they're God shit's going to get real weird yeah, <laughs> yeah. because it's true. Yeah. We are, you know, we are. Well, mate, what I thought I had a bit of a, uh, the instinct, you know, we were talking about esoteric wisdom and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. I thought uh, Dr. Bodie Sanders might come and play. So oh, nice. the, the way of the warriorhood, mate. So I'll do the, do the trick and let's see what the, the, the book's got for us today. See if it can. Awesome. Uh, oh, there you go. All right. Let's have a look. <laughs> Truth is not a matter of personal viewpoint, okay? Many can speak words of wisdom. Few can practice it themselves. Wow. And, I mean, if you just think about the truth that we've been trying to talk about all day today, it's it's not a matter of our personal viewpoint. It's a matter of it is what it is. It's, It's echoing through time. These things are these things. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you do. The truth of the human experience is the truth of the human experience. It's not a personal viewpoint. Yeah, that's and beautiful, man. Many can speak the words of wisdoms. Few can practice it themselves. And I think that's just got to – and again, I, I, I read that and I'm like, yes, that's true. And – it is in practice, right? You want to be the God self. You want to do the things we're talking about, activate your chakras. You've got to practice. That's it, man. That's you, it. And you can't, you know, you know, that's our only hope because as we've seen, you can't, you can't change the world. You can only empower and change and, and elevate yourself. And mm. uh, in doing that, you're going to affect people for the better around you and you're going mm-hmm. to inspire others to do it. And Absolutely. the quicker we can get down along that path, yeah. the sooner we can achieve what it is that we're trying to do as a culture. And, mm-hmm. and I have, you know, as, as depressing as it, as it gets and as hard as it is for me sometimes to see, um, I'm really still very optimistic and very idealistic in the sense that, 
uh, I really have a lot of faith that uh, there there's some light at the end of the tunnel and and hopefully a good ending to this story. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. It's like as much as you look outside and you see not a lot of hope, you know, we have conversations like this and I know that you and your friends are doing your work over in the States. Me and my friends are doing my work. I've got connections all over the globe and we're all trying. We're all really mm-hmm. attempting to, to move that ball forward. And as long as we all do that, you know, as I say, wait till everyone figures out that they're God. Stuff's going to get weird. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, you know, I said it to you last time. I think, uh, I think it's really important, you know, this idea that I joke around about of the intellectual light web. Yes. Um, yes you know, absolutely. we really need uh, we really need people out there uh, pushing the boundaries and asking the questions and being mm-hmm. open minded that mm-hmm. as we as there's so many things we don't understand, whether it's UFOs or psychic abilities or this mm-hmm. or that or the other. Uh, and we try to understand those things. It the only way we're ever going to do it is if we start to have a more multidimensional approach to how we're perceiving reality. And I yes. assume once we really understand that, you know, I think we'll be where we need to be in terms of understanding. And I look Absolutely. forward to that pursuit. Absolutely, man. Well, listen, hey, thank you very much for your time. You blew my mind again. Always plenty to talk about. And look, please, I'd love to come on the, the 231 Gates uh, I've got stuff ready to go. Or if there's something particularly you want me to talk about, uh, I've, you know, I'm more than happy, whatever I can do when that launches, you let me know, I'll send it, do everything I can to help get you guys off the ground. Uh, and would love to be a part of it, mate. That's Thanks. awesome, man. Thank you. And yeah, uh, do me a favor, uh, shout out to Angus, man. I, uh, I love him as part of the crew over there and I would love to get him on there and talk to him and pick his brain a little bit too. So uh, yeah, man, well, listen, we can, we can now with this new setup, I can hook him up over there as well. So if you want him to come on as well, um, give it, give us a topic you want us to dig into and uh, we'll do our best, man. And we'll we'll have a sit down. That sounds great, man. All right. Hey, you take care of yourself, get better. Um, I'll throw some, uh, some love and vibes out there into the universe for you because I know when I was getting over that stuff, uh, a lot of people were doing that for me. And I appreciate. I had some that. pretty profound experiences uh, afterwards as a result of that. So no, got to stay open-minded, man. Got to stay hopeful. Always, dude. Always. Thanks, mate. Look after yourself, eh? All right, man. You Cheers, take care, mate. Triffin. Thank you. Just want to go again? Let's do it. Yeah, I'll again. All right. I know you've been here before No surprises settle the score I know the darkness deep inside Reckless rage
Gøtter.